The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Welcome in Centaur World. <laughs> does Craig no. record in Centaur World? Yes. Yes. I does. mean, he records in Discord, so why not, right? He records in Discord. Records in Discord World, right? Uh, anyways, uh, hello everyone, and welcome again to the Astro Lab, the only podcast internet that hasn't updated its uh, intro since 2020 <laughs> because it's still 2020. It is true facts. <laughs> March 686, 2020, I think. Probably, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Joe Dyer, and with me as always, Mr. Scott Campbell. Uh, so how you doing tonight, Scott? Um, just kind of a low key night. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I, I'm all right. I've uh, recently claimed. Uh, or, or, or I've titled myself uh, Damyo of my office. So anybody who comes in now must pay me tribute. Um, no, not nothing. All right, no, no uh, I'm good. Uh, but book a book. You can you can you can be Damyo of your office if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paris, uh, okay. No, I've been uh, just got done watching uh, episode three of Book of Boba Fett. No spoilers. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, shows real good. Um, I'm very impressed with what they're doing. There are, of course, a lot of people out there on the internet who are not happy about it because he takes off his helmet too much. I'm like, here's a character who in the original trilogy had, I think, what, a total of under seven minutes of screen time? It's like, (laughs) we didn't even have the full character background. And we're kind of not getting his full background in a way because it's about all events after Return of the Jedi, but you know, it, it's you just, you it, just it's, it's just never it's cool. finished. You just never finished Clone Wars. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I'm talking about like current writing style because, like, back, yeah, yeah, back yeah, then yeah. Okay, it was sure. still like under George and all that, but yeah, sure. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, there is a lot of um, a lot of stuff in um. Clone Wars that that sure. covers like Boba or whatnot and yeah and so yeah but yeah but, no it, it's good um I don't know I man I don't know what it is but since we played Legacy at D twenty I felt like I haven't played Magic in like more than a week like two weeks <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it just it but it's only been way. since like Friday right exactly uh it's only been like less than a week um yeah but yeah I, I don't know just uh, working my brain out and just trying to get all this overtime crushed at work and paying bills and you know. Do you, do you take the brain out and just like put it on a treadmill? Uh, uh man. So speaking of walks, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been to the gym. It's one of the things I haven't done, and um, reasons. Uh, but I'm gonna try going on Friday. I I just don't like going to the gym. It just, I don't know. That's a thing. Anyway, but I need to go. However, 
it was nice enough to take uh, my dog Drusilla for a walk today, or more like she takes me for a pull. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's all dogs do that. Yeah, it, it's crazy though because like over the last several days, up somewhere around noonish, like she can't tell time to save a soul, right? But well, some, yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. between like noon and two or the afternoon time frame, she'll look at me. She'll kind of poke her and head up her. A, around the, the uh, dining room table because, uh, you know, she knows that that's where I sit and put the harness on her and stuff. She's like, where's the leash? I want to go for a walk. Like, kind of kind of telling me with her body language what she's looking for, what she's wanting, and what to do. And, well, you know, hey, you're a short hair breed, and it's like 20 degrees outside. So, no. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're... What? Did you take her to Centaur World? Uh, well, see, what happens is <laughs> I'm a muggle, and I can't get into Centaur... Wait, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> oh, 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 let me tell you something. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously I have, a thir- I have a three-legged dog, so he's about 75% effective mm-hmm. at, <laughs> at taking me on walks. So, <laughs> he's 75 plant. Actually, no, he's more like 125% more power because he has to make up for the other right. 25%. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! No, that's awesome. Oh, that but well, but how are you doing, man? Like, he, I, oh. I mean, I just saw you on Friday, right? But no, yeah, no, yeah, he's yeah. Doing. doing okay. Doing okay. Mm-hmm. It's been a been a busy weekend. Uh, well, sort of busy, but like not super busy. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot. So, um, this weekend we're off to Kentucky for a night for a day. Uh, going down to uh, get my wife's. Uh, well. My my wife is uh, a Maker's Mark bourbon um, and a barrel ambassador, mm. and her her barrels up, and so we're going down to try some out of her barrel and buy a bottle out of her barrel. So, uh, so it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be exciting. So, but yeah, Scott and I were talking about. Uh, we did actually get to go out and play some Legacy uh, at uh, one of our local establishments, uh, D twenty, mm-hmm. uh, on Friday night, and. Um, we had only had one other person show up, our, one of our mutual friends, Warren, uh, and I know he's been trying to get some play in uh, because he wants to get feel a little bit more confident with the deck that he's been playing, um, specifically because I know I think he was thinking about coming to the next BCDL, mm-hmm. um, but I know he's been trying to trying to be a little bit more uh, confident with that deck, and uh, so because he's been playing the the Just Guy Ragavan. Uh, pile and literal pile. He's, yeah, I know that he's been trying to like really understand the deck, and it's hard. It's definitely not a not an easy deck um, to really actually uh, play optimally. Um, none of those brainstorm piles really are very easy to play optimally. So, well, it's crazy because that deck seems to pull from all three colors. Where yeah, because yeah, where cause other like playing... control decks that like splash red, you know, it's mostly for sideboard stuff. Like there are times he had hands where it's like uh, force of will, but no other blue card and no yeah. brainstorm or ponder mm-hmm. to dig out of it. So yeah, yeah, there's a very good reason why those decks have fallen back off, and people are anchoring more on blue red, uh, just straight blue red Delver uh, for uh, strategies because the mana is just so much better. Uh, and you're more a more likely to have 
blue cards for your forces and right. to have cantrips and stuff like that. The those decks have to cut into that. They're not cutting into their cantrip suite for to for Jeskaya, but they're cutting into their a bunch of their stuff with to play Source of Plusher and Prismatic Ending, uh, which are very good cards. Those are excellent cards. Sure. It's just that it makes their mana a little weaker. Um, I don't think he was playing the version. I don't think he's playing the version with uh, Urza Saga, so that is a little better on the mana, right? Um, but still, like anytime Delver Tempo's type strategies have had to dip into a third color mm-hmm. is usually that gives the deck a, a, a weakness that you can leverage uh, by being able to cut them off of either their splash color or one of their main colors. Uh, it's really hard to do that against Blue Red Delver right now because they're playing four Volcanics and two Steam Vents. Yeah, yeah, that man is so good so, with Blue Red decks. It's like, yeah. let's use Shocklands. Mm-hmm. Well, you just want you really just want to guarantee that you have Blue Red yep. on turn one. Like that's exactly what it's for. Like you want to be able to cast either you know your Ragavan or your Dragon's Race Channeler on turn one, yep. but also still have blue mana to be able to bounce it for a daze or or something like that. So yeah, and honestly, like it doesn't matter that it's Steam Vents as long as you're like one of your other lands in your hand is like a fetch land. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you don't worry about bouncing your shock land with your day, so you can just like play the fetch land and uh, fetch for a volcanic, yep, or something like that. Like you could take the hit like at once, and it be it's fine. So, but um, I uh, so Scott, you you had brought you brought burn and you brought death and taxes, yeah. uh, sixty card death and taxes. I brought uh, legacy starter decks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I played a little bit of Madness against Scott, uh, and we figured out that uh, Scott quickly figured out that Burn is not a not a deck that to play against Madness because the deck plays on such an exceptional angle that it just <laughs> Burn can't keep up with that, or, or probably the whole uh, format at this point. It's uh... Uh, no, so the 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 weakness that deck has is once you understand what the enablers do. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you understand that the like your number one priority is Lion's Eye Diamond and your number two priority is Putrid Imp, once you start like attacking those cards, like everything just kind of falls apart in that deck. Sure. Unfortunately, that's like the worst part about the deck is like somebody counters your LED and you're like, oh well, I guess I just lose because I just I my rest of my hand is garbage and I don't have any way to like. And sometimes you can pull out of those. Like sometimes it just depends on the composition of your hand, and sometimes you can be like, ah well. You know, you countered my LED. Here's a burning inquiry. You know, yeah. You know, do you have a counter? Do you have a counter spell for that? No, cool. Like, flip some cards. Like, um, it just depends on what the composition of your hand is. But if you're able to attack the enablers uh, and have some combination of hate that attacks the deck, and the hate cards that attack the deck is rough because you could put Grafdigger's Cage into play, and you could put Lilan of the Void into play, and they just won't care. Right, because uh, yeah. the madness triggers before the card even yeah. enters the right, zone, right. or can be exiled or whatever. Right, and and the card and like the card that you cares about that is um, uh, Vengevine, which mm-hmm. you know whatever. I I have been playing on Magic Online. I've been play- I don't think that was the version I had built in 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 my proxies, but I have uh, I've been playing a, or maybe it was I, I I did cycle a street race didn't I at one point I think yeah. I don't remember. I think I was playing the Street Race version, but I I had a I've been playing the Devastation version that has Street Race uh, in it over um, Once Upon a Time, 
Uh, and that's actually felt really good because it enables those games where you like hollow one is like better. Right. Speaking, um, speaking of proxies, I, I do want to mention the, the venue, uh, D20. I had never been there before. Uh, it's an okay venue. Uh, I, I don't, uh, imbibe. So like my drink of choice was mellow yellow because I wanted to stay awake. <laughs> um, I, I, I nursed that thing all the way to the next day. Like, um but um a place like that is perfect for proxies because with the format like legacy you don't want to bring your expensive cards out and then oops spill a drink or someone bump into you and they spill their drink or whatever so that is perfectly acceptable because there's no pay you know their prizes aren't on the line you're just testing something out so yeah. yeah um I also ended up, uh, so that I wasn't just playing straight crazy linear deck uh, for the entire night, I also re-sleeved into Aluren, uh, for uh, four-color Aluren, and um, I did get to actually, like, in, like, one of those games where I had nothing uh, but, like, one card in hand, mm-hmm. and I was dead to rights against um, Murktide Regents. And whatnot, and uh, of course, you know, um, Warren had one card in hand as well, and my one card in hand was Living Wish, uh, and I had cast Aluren the turn before, and so I'm like, well, I'm at like three life, I'm gonna die to this like Murktide and this like Ragavan. Living Wish uh, for a Sarah the Archlich and explain the loop. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> once I explained the loop, he was like, oh yeah, 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 I got it, like. It's, that's wild. Like it's just like a one card win condition. Well, the, the, yeah, the fact that the dungeon progress can be triggered like before the previous trigger resolves or something like that. Yeah. So uh, I kind of I, I tried to explain it when, when we were there kind of w- well enough, but um, the way a Sarek reads is um, when so. People, I don't know how many people know this card. We talked about it before, but yeah. Um, so this, 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 there's part of this card that always confuses people because they always think that if you complete a dungeon, that that's it, mm-hmm. and that's the, how it works. It's it's when he enters the battlefield. If you haven't completed the Tomb of Annihilation dungeon, then you return him to your hand and you venture. Well, that's that's a single trigger, and what that does is when you venture and you choose which dungeon you're going into, that creates a trigger on the stack. Now, normally, when you venture, you're venturing mostly at sorcery speed. But they included this loophole in the dungeon rules uh, that basically says um, if you were to venture um, and uh, somewhere, uh, you know, if you were to venture and, again, and the, the... last room is on the stack or whatever you know it'll just go into the next room mm-hmm. or let you choose to start back over and it works like this for literally every every trigger if you were to put the lost mine of fendel versus cave entrance trigger on the stack for example uh which is scry one mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the trigger with that trigger is still on the stack if you flash in a sarak again uh a sarak's gonna venture again and it's gonna let you go to the next room uh, because it 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 has to. There's no way for it to not do this. Uh, because that it, it covers situations where you have multiple venture triggers that could go on the stack, uh, and there are significant areas where that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at 
um, cards like, uh, the, and even in the same set, if you were to play block construct in the same set, there are cards in the same set that could cause it to happen. Uh, like, uh, if you look at cards like Radiant Solar, uh, which is the one that says, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, venture into the dungeon. Like, <laughs> it's basically what it does. So if you play that and you play another creature that already says venture into the dungeon on it, on ETB, you're going to get two venture triggers. Uh, and so it has to be able to progress. Uh, so it's just one way it works. And the, re- the reason this matters is because this is one way, one of the first things that people thought when Acerac came out is they were like, oh, well, you can only drain them as much as your library is, you know, because the last trigger of Lost Man of Endelver is draw a card. Mm-hmm. But you never have to draw that card. You can just be like, well, I got this trigger on the stack, flash in Acerac again and start all over. Right. And then I can just keep progressing through, the, through that dungeon to the point where I just keep draining. And then at the end of the game, you have 30 triggers of, you know, draw a card on the stack that don't exist because the game's over. Right. So, <laughs> so it's a cool loophole and it is kind of hard to understand. So that's why you have to really explain it. Um, I do need to print. I need to get dungeon cards printed out or I just need <laughs> to actually just pick pick some up. Uh, to have that card in my proxies because they're not they're not expensive, so I just need to pick some up, like <laughs> just to have them. Probably just that one. Like I, I could probably get by with just put getting a copy of the Lost Man of Fandolver, and not any of the others because I'm never going to pick any of the others with that card with that deck. So there's really no reason to pick anything else. Um, I mean, like the the. Mad Mage one, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage is a cool one, but like it doesn't really do anything in that deck. Well, I mean, there is the Dungeon of the Mad Mage Tomb of Annihilation, it's a double-sided dungeon that you can get. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just, cool. I, I'd, I'd probably just pick up the, the Lost Mine of Fendelver one. Uh, that okay. would be fine enough. So. Well, let's take a look. But, uh, I mean... I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna... I, I don't know that I would ever be playing this deck at, like, one of my... Um, whatchamacallits at, at like the bcdl or something like that i thought about it but it's a right. pretty intensive deck to play and it's a urian deck and it's it's pretty hard to play because it's a it's a brainstorm ponder deck but it also has like a combo kill to it and just you know stuff like that so it's it's a it's a fun deck it's it's fun much more fun to play in paper than it is to play in um on like Magic Online because of all the clicking. Wait, we weren't playing in paper. Uh, we were playing Magic yeah. Online live. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't, have to, I didn't have to do. I didn't have to do any clicking, so that was that was good. Um, so it's like playing Food Chain. Like you could play Food Chain. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so yeah, we had a good time. Um, I I don't know if I can make it for the next one that Warren wants to go to yet. Yeah, he wants uh, to do it. What the week? The Friday before next, BCDL twenty. Tw- no, the twenty first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's Friday before the BCD- No, BCDL well, is the 29th. Okay, technically not Friday before. I yeah. see what you're saying, but still. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't know if I can make it for that one, but um, I will certainly try. Um, I will probably bring something a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Brian has to bring something fair, but I'm also kind of also somewhat prepping for BCDL. And I'm honestly at this point kind of just feeling like I want to register oops. Uh, simply because I think the deck is fine. 
Yeah, why uh, not? And it, it seems like an okay deck right now. Uh, I don't think a lot of people play it, and I think that's kind of it's kind of criminally underrated in that regards because the deck is very good. Um, and I think you can definitely do well with it. So I'm, I might just end up playing it for that because I might want to just be like, ah, eh, my rounds. So what? My rounds to only last like three turns tops. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I mean, and I mean my rounds. I want my rounds to last like right. three turns tops. Not games. I, I played some. I played some games on Magic Online, and both of them, both games I played on Magic Online were were uh, uh, game one. I won on turn one. Uh, game two, I won on turn one. <laughs> so I won on turn one versus a player playing Tropical Island deck, and they did not mind break trap my. They had a mind break trap in hand. And I don't even, they just didn't play this right. They didn't mind break trap my. Um, my uh, Undercity Informer. Uh, even though it was like the third spell I played that turn. Uh, and so that was exactly spell number three, right? Right, right. So they didn't mind break trap it, and I'm like, hmm, okay, uh, well, yeah, that's weird. So, so, and and of course, if they would have mind break trapped it, that would have forced me. <clears throat> to have to uh because i had a pack negation in hand um that would i would have had to have packed it in order to live right but then they had it but then they then they then they had an endurance so what they tried to do is i i i flipped my library put my archibald trackers on the stack and they tried to endurance me and i'm like oh that's cute oh that's cute like cool endurance uh pack the endurance and then they mind break trap the, the the their their own endurance and I was like, wow, you played this so wrong. Like, good job. <laughs> Why did they exile their own endurance? Because I was I was countering it anyways. They had no way of stopping Pact. I was well, just like, whatever. I, all right. They were they made a game action because they were losing and they knew it. Okay, so I will admit, uh, when just reading Mind Break Trap, which is two and two blue for an instant trap, uh, if an opponent casts three or more spells this turn, you may pay zero rather than pay mind break, mind break traps mana cost, easy for you to say, exile any number of target spells. For me, anytime I read that card, I think, and I don't know why, and maybe it's just how the card is read or designed, whatever, that there have to be three spells on the stack. For no, me, no. Which, which I, I totally get. I totally understand. Yeah. But, uh... It, there are, no matter how much we play this game, there are cards that, when they are in your hand, or virtually in your hand in the case of Magic Online, it's like, there's just something where it doesn't it doesn't click. You talk about it later, and it's like, oh yeah! But then next time you yeah. go back to play it, it's like, you, 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 you still aren't getting it. So... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that could be the case with this person. Who knows? I yeah, I don't know. It was a weird game. I was just like, okay, well, um, I'm gonna win now. All right. Like, so if like if you, dear listener, play Joe Dyer and this was your play, please comment to us. No, <laughs> <laughs> now I know I do believe. I think the the real scenario there is that if they mind break trap the informer, I just scoop. Uh-huh. Like I didn't even bother to try. And I mean, I could try and pack it, 
But then if I, as soon as I see the endurance, I scoop. Like, it's that's fine. Right. Like, I, I'm okay with that. Like Right. And you have enough information to go on to prepare for sideboard games. Yeah. Um, like, that would probably... And seeing endurance in that scenario, mm-hmm. if I had lost that game, uh, I probably would have brought in like, Leyline of Sanctity. Wait a minute. Was this game one? No, this is game. Oh, three. okay. I'm like, man, if they are yeah. main decking my break trap and endurance. I I saw I saw Oof. nothing. I saw nothing game one other than a brainstorm. Yeah, I was on the draw. I was on the draw, and they went polluted delta pass, and I went, okay, well, what are the odds they have a force? Let's let's go for it, you know. Right. And they brainstormed to in response to my dark ritual, and then they did nothing, and I had a balustrade spy and won the game. <laughs> and like at least that that does. play makes more sense. That's what that deck does. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't really know what they're playing. I just I just kind of default assume um that I'm bringing in like force of vigor in a lot of matchups. Yeah. Uh because generally a lot of players, you know, the best one of the best ways to beat oops is to just mold a ley line. Uh because ley line kind of beats that deck. Mm-hmm. Uh and, or at least it slows them down enough where, you know, it's hard to win. And you can get enough cards to like protect it, right? And so it's like, okay, well, if I lose, like, if I'm, I'm like, oh, I just bring in Force of Vigor for you know Playline, and that and that happened, and I was like, well, if I had lost this game, I would probably not bring in Force of Vigor, and I would probably bring in Leyline of Sanctity instead, uh, because Leyline of Sanctity protects you from endurance. So, but uh, it was it was an interesting game. I I've, I'm enjoying the deck when I've played it, uh, so. I think it is really one of the the more interesting decks in the format. Um, also, like, there's, like, the build I'm playing is, like, weird because it's, like, 61 cards. Because the 61st card is a copy of Memory's Journey. And that card's, like, really oh, kind, yeah. of, kind of kind of groovy. My, my Dredge so. Sideboard tech from when we were at the SCG event. Yeah, yeah, that card's really groovy, like, because, like, you can almost generally cast it <coughs> from your graveyard when you flip your library if you have to. So, like, they go to Surgical, your, like, Narc Amoebas or something like that. Right. You just Memories Journey, the one that they're targeting. Yep. And put it back on top, and then they're, they're Surgical Fizzles. So, it's cool. Like, it's a neat, neat card, so. But, um... So we had, um, outside of us playing Legacy, we just we had a good time. Um, hopefully, uh, more once we do, we can have um, uh, do some more uh, in the future. Uh, we did also talk to Warren about maybe hosting some stuff at his house to do like proxy vintage. Um, I also really want to probably get together like my like Legacy and vintage like proxy got once back up and running again but i need to buy i need to get i need to get sleeves and i need draft chat for that so to make that work should i but, just trade all my modern stuff in for legacy no yeah i know no <laughs> no uh but anyways uh we we had some news this week in magic to talk about wait, wait, um, hold on hold on ready for this Huh. Again, it's 2022, Scott trying to be different, right? Wizards did a great thing. I know, it's it's crazy, right? Uh, I, here uh, I am speaking positive about something that Wizards has done. Not not, I, to, I, not to be sarcastic, this is seriously a great thing. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think more so, um, it's more so Gavin did something. Oh, good. for real, uh, yeah. This was, this was Gavin's idea. Uh, so if you haven't seen... <laughs> Uh, the announcement. I will put the, end up putting the link in the show notes. Yep. 
but uh, we had an announcement for a new thing called the Popper Format Panel, uh, comprised of a bunch of uh, really kind of super smart Popper players. From uh, Popper across the globe. For, uh, yeah, and that was the one thing I was really, really happy to see, is that it wasn't just like a bunch of MTGO players or and or um you know paper players it was players from across different uh regional uh areas and also different backgrounds yeah uh and that all kind of play you know pick popper a, a and very diverse panel very diverse yeah uh so that was uh that was kind of nice to see uh this is an idea that Gavin had uh about trying to kind of put themselves uh, in a position where they're able to uh, properly address issues with Popper. Because Popper is kind of one of those formats where it doesn't really take much uh, to upset that format. Uh, the format is pretty volatile to cards upsetting the format printed at a, co- a common rarity. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to say that, but we just literally had, you know, two in this past year... Uh, that we had to be banned, uh, and one of those was one of the Commander Legends cards, Fall from Favor. One of them was Chatterstorm. Uh, I think they also and banned Sojourner's Companion. Sojourner's, yeah. yeah the, the, the last uh, two uh, were in uh, Modern Horizons Two, yeah, and that was released what? Uh, Jul- that was released in June, and it yeah. took till September. It took three yeah. months for them to finally take action on it, and even yeah. still. Like there, there are people that still think that there's more that needs to be addressed because what's happened is since Commander Legends, which let's see, that was what twenty was that late twenty twenty? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And ta- time fall, just from, flows fall from fall from favor was fall from favor was banned in January. Was it? Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it took a couple months for that, but still, all that's happened since. Since end of 2019, up to now, has there been at least two sets that have, uh, well, actually I take that back, because I look at 2020 and Expedition Map and Mystic Sanctuary were banned. But still, uh, yeah. uh, of, of the cards that have been banned since 2020, only one of them has been an older card. All of them have right. been new cards from recent standard sets or recent ancillary sets. So all the bannings have been done or have been doing is putting it back to a state where people still thought something needed to be done, whether yeah. it's nerfing Tron or nerfing Affinity or whatever. Um, yeah, wasn't there like a Blue Monday that happened? I mean, yeah. I, there was there was the fall from favor, but Blue Monday was when they banned like Gush and like whole bunch of blue cards and basically just like demolished blue that must have been before uh, the pandemic then cause... that was that was in 2019 in may when they banned <clears throat> gush gush cataxi and probe in days yeah okay there it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so and then uh yeah the the next month after that they uh made a unification with popper uh yes. where high tide henry truck and sinkhole were added to the banned list so that way that yeah. confusion was done because there was a Paper versus online yeah. concern. So they have been so, doing some things with the format, but just so, at the point, so, not enough. 
So I want to read this because I think this is this makes a lot of sense. Do it. And this is part of one of the announcements that Gavin made. And so he says, um, I want to be transparent with you here about the challenges. To properly decide to ban a card, it takes a lot of discussion, format knowledge, and analysis. And Popper, while a format that is very much enjoyed by tons of players, is still a format that is substantially smaller in terms of population, player population than other formats like Standard and Modern, and those take a lot of attention. Additionally, while our competitive play design team knows the primary competitive formats extremely well, Popper is not an area of strong expertise for most people at Wizards. So we found ourselves in a position where the people who normally work on banning cards don't have the bandwidth nor the <laughs> format expertise to craft the format in many ways Popper players would appreciate. This is entirely reasonable. I wouldn't ask our play designers to reprioritize Popper over standard and modern playtesting and design decisions, but also cause trouble in the Popper format because of the long lag times. Pause. We, we, yeah. So he mentions that standard and modern are playtested. Yeah. So we have confirmation that there's playtesting going on, and we're still seeing problems with cards that are probably too powerful for those formats. Yeah, uh, I mean, which is fine for them to. Yeah, but it's back to it, kind of what the premise of this popper format panel is, where uh, issues aren't being addressed fast enough. Yeah, so, and anyway. that's part of the, one of the reasons. Yeah, they wanted to like kind of bring in people uh, to um, kind of have discussions about the format. All right, uh, and so. But anyway, it's, continue. It's, I'm sorry. I just yeah, wanted yeah, to highlight fine. that section. No, right you're there. fine. Yeah, no, you're fine. Because we can uh, stop so, complaining about it now. <laughs> basically, this is kind of like, he, he kind of compares this to the, the commander advisory group, the commander rules committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the way this works is that these people work together. Gavin is the oversight uh, with this group. Basically, I'm assuming he's just going to be the guy who runs the meetings, handles all the feedback, takes all the feedback back to the appropriate people, mm. shares with them any relevant information that they need to know in the, in, in the, the format panel. But ultimately, like, the decisions uh, are handled by wizards. Right. Like, the decisions are made by wizards. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't... And I want to emphasize this for when we start talking about whether or not this works for other formats. Right. Is that it is not fully up to the people that are on this panel what does actually happen it is up to wizards at the end of the day they're the ones that are taking the recommendations and just making the final decision what they are doing here is that they are opening a communication channel with the community and these community members in order to have concerns addressed at a quicker pace but also have actual communications and transparency with these people and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a nice idea. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Same. Because, um, I mean, the data from, like, online play and whatever paper tournaments out there that are reported, that data can only tell them so much. Right. Getting actual feedback, like, uh, and they can, they can only do so many of those, like, did you have fun in this match? Little, like, surveys at the end of arena matches yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, sitting... What? <laughs> Man, I'm trying to uh, gather my thoughts and speak at the same time, and you see me stumbling. Um, lot, a lot of us out there, a lot of people, really, uh, not just you and me, but a lot of people and 
listeners and their friends and family or whatever, most people where they work, they work in a realm where they have to communicate. And mm. in order to be able to convey ideas and learn something, you have to communicate. You can't look at a spreadsheet. You can't look at a result of data or, or can't look only at that information, I should say. Yeah, all, um, only at that. Yeah. yeah. So having this panel, like, sure, Gavin and the team may have been like, man, we got this, like, sweet, like, uh, uh, Demir common card that is bonkers and popper players are going to love it. And you put it in a format and people are like, um, this is great, it's powerful, but it's miserable to play against. Right, and, yeah. And having yeah. that information, like, they can take that back. Well, people are having a bad time. Okay, now maybe, like, numbers are declining in regards to tournament attendance, or uh, deck decisions are different, or they didn't see the the format meta change the way it's changing. You know, just as an example, right. you know, so they can use that information constructively. And speaking of being constructive, I do want to mention, because the names of the people on the panel are public, please mm. d don't at them, don't load up their inbox unless they ask for feedback. Just just don't go at them angry like social media does, because, you know, these people should be honored and respected for being in a position that they are. And Right. You know, I because a lot of these people, it wasn't like they asked to be on this. They, exactly. well, they, 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 it wasn't like they asked wizards to be on this. The wizards approached them, correct? Which is the, the great thing this. about this. Yeah I, yeah, I, I want this to be a slam dunk, a grand slam, a home run, a hail, a hail mary touchdown, uh, a last second shot at the goal, all wrapped into one. I, yeah, man, if, if this, this may be the greatest thing Wizards has ever done for the community. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And so that brings us to the idea that not only can we do this for Popper, mm -hmm. but can we do this for other formats? Yes, please. And and I want to point out something. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Nate Golia, took that statement I read, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they... Took all of those the the every time it said popper in that statement they took and they replaced it with legacy, mm -hmm. and, and it fits. Yeah, fits to a T. Fits to a T, and I think that it would make sense for other formats like legacy, like modern, like even pioneer. Sure, shoot, even pioneer to have some sort of group of community members that are involved at some level to be able to provide feedback in a timely fashion. Uh, and I hate to say this, uh, but this riled up the, the legacy subreddit. And I'm going to say right now, I am not thrilled with the legacy subreddit right now. I am not posting my articles there. I am not engaging with that subreddit right now because the literal, uh, response to this on the legacy subreddit was, oh my God, why should we ever have this for legacy? Who would even be on it? I don't trust anybody in this format to, to make a decision. And I'm like, what? Like, no. Uh, and I, Those are the same people that a month ago, or not even that long ago, were finally on my side of the argument about Ragavan, except just for Legacy, not for really modern or all of Magic. Uh, and for them to be like, oh, 
who can we trust and, and all this stuff that you're saying. It's like, wait a minute, you all were just bitching about Ragavan and Murktide Regent and like pretty much Modern Horizons 2 tribal deck ruining your format. That something like this would help in that situation where, yeah, I mean, look, let's look at Oko Thief of Crowns for a hot second, right? Watsy came out and said, oh, we didn't think people would use it on their own stuff. Yeah. Or, or the opponent stuff. Or, uh, they, they, there was a line of play with that card that they didn't see that the rest of the community saw like that, and it was too late. Yeah, uh, yeah. So a, a, uh, a panel like this for Legacy, for Modern or whatever, mm-hmm. if something is released out into the wild... And it's like, um, red flag, three months later, it's gone. I, right. I think we can all live three months with a problem card in regards right. to format. And plus, how many years have we discussed, more or less, whether it was in a format like this or just being underground dojo keyboard cage fighters on Twitter, uh, screaming to the void that Watsy doesn't do playtesting, they don't have enough people to play test. They only play test for standard. They don't care about other formats. Like it's just the, the constant cycle of the rhetoric. Uh, and sure, maybe they have people that test for modern, but you know, just like what you read there, what Gavin said, there are people there that may not be versed in popper. Like they could play test for it, but they may not be versed like people on the popper panel that focus specifically on that format. That's the format they pick up and love and play or whatever, right? So, man, like, people complain on, well, people complaining on Reddit isn't a shock. People on Reddit being upset at this, not seeing it's a good thing. uh, Yeah, if there's a way to block people on Reddit to make your experience better, you should utilize it. Uh, I'm just not going to engage with that subreddit really at all anymore. So I, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I I think I think that they I think that a lot of people will think so. <clears throat> I, I just a literal hot take I saw on there was that well, what if the six people uh, that they pick or whatever all hate blue decks, so they vote to ban underground C. And I'm like, nobody's going to do that. Yeah, that's like, not... no nobody's nobody's going to do that. Like it's not going to happen. Plus, Watsy would probably kick him off of the panel if they brought it up. I I do understand that with Popper. Now, here, here's the, here's here's the the flip side of this. Right. With with Popper, your monetary investment is low. Sure. So whatever changes they make, your monetary investment doesn't really matter. With Legacy and Modern, and even to extent Pioneer, there's a bit higher of a monetary investment. Right. So you do have to have some sort of careful understanding. But I feel like they could pick six people that could get together, work together, make those decisions. Or not make those decisions, but make those recommendations and understand that people that understand the format at a level. And some people are like, well, legacy content creators have such just crazy hot takes about the format. And I'm like, you know, realize a lot of that's done for like clickbait and, and like fucking like hot, you know, hot take, you know, clout and Twitter. Like, right. Right. Like, like when when you know when trucker chat on on Twitter, which is Dulver Chat, when Dulver Chat says Banthalia, they don't mean Banthalia. They're just fucking around. They don't, they're they're just making a joke, right? Like that's that's just it. Like you know, yes, you know, guys like uh, Anurag Daz, like say he wants Ragavan banned, uh, but like 
I would also trust Honorar Daz to be on such a panel because he's he knows the format. Right. He, he yeah, he's not format. he's not carrying over his attitude that he picked up when being on 4chan when he was a teen onto Reddit just just make a post to get likes and clicks or whatever. I would I would trust guys like Brian Coble to be on. Oh, same uh, well, you know, the on the, the such a panel because he, again, he's he's one of those guys where when it comes to doing the work, mm-hmm. he does he does the work. Yep. That's and that's what I respect about him. When he does the work, he does the work. Doesn't matter. He doesn't let his personal bias really get into a lot of stuff when it comes to doing the work. And I and that's that's what people from is like people are like, "Oh, well, you know, there's so much personal bias and so much subjectivity. You're never going to get rid of that. Like no. that's not something that's going to go away. But when it comes to doing the work, you can do the work." Like, um, here's the other thing. Reluctantly, reluctantly, like some people have thrown my name into the mix and uh, I, yeah, I, I would do it if they asked me, I would not try to actively campaign for such a thing. I would do it if they asked me and I would treat that with the utmost respect and responsibility. Sure. That's what I do. But again, it would be one of those things where I like, I wouldn't be on Twitter being like, oh, that should be me. I should be in that. No, I'd be like, hey, they pick six people that I respect and I adore. God love them. Like, you right. know, if, if, if it wasn't me, I still wouldn't care. I would be like, hey, these people are awesome, and I'm going to talk to them anyways, well, <laughs> because I love them all. You know, So it doesn't matter. You know what's cool about this popper panel? I mean, outside of things we've already mentioned, like the diverse cast, around the world, all that stuff, right? That's the other oh. thing, is like, they really, I feel like that would be something that they would carry over into other formats, is they would go keep on that aspect of let's involve an italian player let's involve a japanese player i could i could already name one japanese player that they should include for this panel and that would be kai sawatari uh who is uh, one of the best doomsday players in the format uh and i would absolutely recommend him for such a thing because he's such an amazing player let's take it two steps further here uh one the popper panel uh, sure. They they each have had some level of success playing the game, but that wasn't the first thing we learned about them. When, uh, when we talk about people who play Magic well, more often than not, it's Pro Tour champion this person or GP uh, eight time GP winner this person or whatever. We hear about that first. That's up front that they're trying to be a pro. These people play the format and they love it. They write about it. They make content about it. They promote it to their friends, whatever. Uh, so that I really liked. It wasn't trying to get to the pro dream first. And I hope that if they do this for other formats, they aim towards that people who aren't essentially spikes, more or less. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, I, there are there are several outside of um, the U.S. content yeah. creators. Uh, like I said, I already named Kai Sawatari. Yeah. Uh, like, he would be an excellent... Um, I would probably name Callum Smith from the U.K. Um, because Callum is one of the clearest voices in the format regarding Legacy. Uh, he's just such a great guy. Right. And I, I would absolutely name him as a U.K. representative. Either him or uh, Julian Knob would also oh, be yeah, very yeah. good. I mean, there, also be... there's nothing wrong with being a spike. Let, let, me, yeah. let me just lay that out there. Yeah. But it's not spike first is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. Also, yeah, yeah. And I, and these people I'm naming are not yeah. 
Like, like Callum's not really like he's competitive, but he's not a spike competitive. Right. Um. Like Kai is just a great guy. Like, either, you know, whether or not he's competitive or not, he's one of those guys who's like a, an extreme deck specialist. And that's and my I next point. I, yes, that's my next point. Deck specialist, because you look at the popper panel, and uh, you know, it's like Paige comes up, and it's like elves, and then Emma comes up. And it's like Bogles. Uh, Bogles or Mono White or what. So each of each of these players, they there's something that they like from that format that they have right. learned inside and out. And if they do the same thing with Legacy, like uh, you mentioned, uh, Julian Elves. Right, yeah, right, well, right? yeah, Elves, Elves. Like, um, I would also say like if you wanted to like go deeper into like people that are more deck specialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, like elves are or like Kai for like Doomsday or, or Brian um, for anything with Island Ponder and yeah, Baby yeah, 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 Brian with literally any deck that plays Brainstorm and Ponder that plays fairly, right? Like <laughs> that's that's what Brian knows, and I, he knows it well, so that's that's great. Uh, Maybe but, we can uh, get uh, Saffron Olive in there because he likes to play Blood Moon. <laughs> I uh, I I don't I know quite a few of the italian guys mm-hmm. but i mostly know them from um the blue dojo uh side of thing so i would say probably one of those the blue dojo guys uh simply because those guys really uh get the format uh from a you know perspective of that like um uh nicolo cavoni or uh marco male uh, would all be good uh representatives from that res- mm-hmm. that aspect uh, anybody that's involved with four seasons tournaments, which is a t- tournament series in Italy, uh, would also mm-hmm. probably be pretty good. So, like, there's quite a few guys. Um, um, what says uh, Niccolo Guidi, uh, which is one of the guys that's on my data collection team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also he goes by the name of Ron Colpo Sinese on uh, on Magic Online. Uh, he would also be a very good um, because he's a, like a really strong hard worker. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few. I could just name people like left and right. Yeah, like, we're uh, almost up uh, to like three panels of people names by now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I would love to see like, um, you know, honestly, I, I would if if I was not involved in it or whatnot, mm-hmm. the person I would most like to see from the U.S. side of things would be Rob Wilson, uh, who runs Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy. Huh? Yeah, uh, because Rob is a really smart guy. Uh, just really knows the format very well. Uh, you know, either him or, uh, you know, if you wanted to get really out, uh, out there, like Ryan Freeberger from the Legacy Pit, uh, like those guys. Um, Alex McKinley would also be like a really good one uh, from uh, the EpicStorm.com. Um, Sam Dams, uh, friend, Fenris Cloud, uh, well-known Infect uh, player. I could name legacy players for days. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, like, imagine the positivity that's going to come from something like this, if it does happen. I mean... Yeah, I, yeah. And and I, I the first thing I did when I saw this announcement yeah. was I fired up an email, and I emailed Gavin Verhead. That was the first thing I did. I saw this announcement, I, I fired up an email, and I emailed Gavin Verhead, and I said, I think this is a great idea. Yeah. I love that you're doing it. I want to know if it's possible we can get this for other formats. And his immediate response to me, literally like in ten minutes, like in five minutes, he responded to me and said, "Yes, I'm getting feedback about this already, 
and I, I agree. Like, I think it's something we could do for other formats. It's just we want to see how successful it is with this first. Right. And I said, A plus. And and honestly, I, I put this in the I put this in the show notes. Gavin being involved in literally anything makes me hopeful because Gavin Verhey is one of the employees at Wizards who I truly believe cares about the overall community mm-hmm. and the people that he is trying to serve. Right. And I and I I, I abs- and I've I've met the guy and he's a really nice guy. Um I actually got the cube with wow. him at SCG Con and Man, um, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um we um we cubed uh Paul's cube. Okay. Uh, his pet his peasant cube and uh we had a blast. Mm. Uh like just absolute blast. Our I think Paul. I actually played I think I played against him actually and he just like the dude drafted like his Paul had like conspiracies and stuff like in his popper cube and yeah Ga- Gavin drafted like all the conspiracies that he could come up with <laughs> like drafted this like really sick like red white like aggro like equipment list that was just like really cool huh. like it was just it was a sick deck like it was just like wow this was like so good like you got everything about this so I... yeah he's just a really nice guy and I just I, yeah. I, I anytime I see him being involved in something. It's usually great because it's usually you can usually tell how excited he is exactly because to, to he, be a part of it. He has an idea, and if he's, if he's given a green light, kind of like with modern, given mm-hmm. a green light, and his first announcement about it, there's like this excitement behind his voice mm-hmm. that is just it's that childhood joy that something great is about to come out of his mouth. Yeah, and for all the worlds, when like there's never, I've I've watched as, as much as I can. I've watched nearly every episode of Good Morning Magic. Yeah, and everyone's it's, it's great. Everyone's great. Like I I have no complaints over any of them. I mean, I'll admit I don't draft. Like you just rambled on about draft, and I'm just like, uh, like I just I I don't get draft. I just I don't like. I'll do it, and I'm like, uh, stuff. Uh, you know, cube is the perfect draft format for I, people I, that don't draft. I, I guess, but like, like, like it really is. It is the perfect draft format for people that don't draft. Like one time when uh, I cubed, I think it was like at Gym City, and I, I don't know the contents of the cube or whoever owned it, but I had like a Jason Mind Sculptor, a Simic Sky Swallower, a Primal Command, and I, I just did some stupid, obnoxious stuff or whatever. I have no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, yeah, I mean that's the, kind of the cool thing about about cube is that you don't have to worry about uh, things like okay, this card is a rare and I should probably take it because it's a rare, right? Uh, you know, especially when you start looking into like formats like popper cube, you know, like where like oh, like all these cards are common, so I just take whichever one seems like a cool card to build around in pack one like right and then just see if it lines up like see if i can grab stuff like oh there's a really cool prowess creature in this you know first pack maybe i can build prowess see if it works like that's you know the kind of the thing so that's what i love about cube is that it lets you curate those kinds of materials because every time people see cube they think ah vintage cube like oh yeah yeah that's that's the cube experience Uh, cube experience is being able to curate what you want out of it. And I love that aspect of that format very much. But, but back to Gavin for a second. Um, I I truly feel, and this isn't slight at anybody else, but I mean, we've seen other people talk on shows and interact on Twitter, whether it's Blake or Aaron or Mark or whatever. 
Um, matter of fact, it wasn't something where Mark had posted on his Tumblr. He had X number of posts and questions and responded to only X number. And I'm like, why are you even talking about this? This doesn't make sense why you're like, oh, I responded to 20% of everything it's given to me. It just... I I understand it or whatever. Like I think I think part of that has to do with the fact that it's probably the rest of that is probably chaff that either is duplicate questions could be or or car, or or questions that are just like I hate you and you should be bad. Well, sure, blah, blah, which blah, yeah, you, you got to discard those obviously. And I only right, bring that right. up because that's the most recent thing I think I've seen someone talk about. Uh, right, something he posted, but um, outside of those. Gavin appears to be like that next step up. He's approachable, mm-hmm. understands social media and how one can how one can be I don't want to say respectful as if the others aren't, but what I'm saying is he's got that genuine kindness up front to where you can't be disrespectful to him. Even if he doesn't agree with something that you say. Um right. and this is just me reading him off off Twitter and his shows. And I truly feel that he understands that we are not just players. We're also consumers. He gets it. And right. that if there is a problem, like there was with Popper and Commander Legends uh, and uh, Fall From Favor, um, you know, when, when there is a problem that people are just screaming because they're so agitated that this wasn't seen with all the money put in research and development, design and all that stuff that just just slips out of their hands you know he gets it and this is definitely a step in in that right direction and that's that's why i hope i hope that people don't just tear these folks down when oh man this two drop red common is ruining or whatever right whatever the next thing is because there's always going to be a next thing yeah um it's just that hopefully they can get there and 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 get it done and address it or whatever. And it's weird because um, we may have talked off recording about this, either last show or show before last, where uh, I damn near reached my breaking point with just the game. Right. And I had sent a message to Gavin. Like, yes, hey, we talked about it on cast. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's... I, I didn't I don't feel like there's a way I can provide feedback from my point of view as an FNM player and essentially he's like, dude, just write me. Yeah. And literally not even a week later, here's this popper format panel announcement where there appears now to be this channel for feedback for a format. So I was like, Whoa. Holy crap not saying I did anything, but it's just the fact that maybe I'm not the only one that feels this way Mm. and that someone out there that I don't know and didn't see their message get to him or whatever has probably said the same thing. And maybe other people have as well. And that's maybe what culminated in this. And the fact that you got the response you did, maybe that's something that they are consciously aware of. Right. So I'm like, man, just, I, I have not felt this good about, being a customer of Wizards of the Coast, yeah, in a long time, yeah, and, it's uh, oh. it's good. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, and uh, you know, I 
I don't think so. I'm not well versed enough in modern to know who I would name for a modern one. Um, I mean, you can name me, but I might. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I, I, just, I, I do want to get into it to start putting work into the format that and Pioneer because I think Pioneer yeah. is going to be a thing. But yeah, I just don't. I don't know enough people uh, in the modern uh, area to be like, yeah, this person should totally be, you know the you know the voice of modern in you know this particular uh panel i just i just don't know that um yeah offhand so um and it's just me not being super i don't watch a lot of modern content and that's just me not being super familiar with people that play a lot of modern and um so and that's fine um we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show about vintage uh, vintage is a weird duck because I actually don't think it really matters. Like, I don't think the format actually needs this. Uh, and it's just simply because vintage seems to, uh, absorb cards in a much better fashion, uh, than, uh, other formats do. Um, like, yeah. for example, like Modern Horizons 2 was arguably, like, just great for vintage. Like, it's odd to say that because it's like, oh, it's Modern Horizons 2. You know, everybody should be mad about this, but. Urza Saga was like this like fine card for the format that just exists and it's okay there. It's just and it's thing. like Yeah, I mean yeah, it sees a lot of play. Like it sees a lot of play. Sure. Like it's it's uh, Heck, it's even kinda know. just a thing in legacy, right? It's it is, it is. But I and I think in legacy it's like one of those cards where you're just like, Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Like yeah, Urza Saga's like in over half of the decks and it's it's a little over half the decks in the form in vintage right now. Uh, at number three, uh, on the top lands list, uh, number one is Strip Mine <laughs> at fifty five percent of decks, and number two is Misty Rainforest at fifty five percent of decks. Okay, so so is Urza Saga power ten or eleven? No, I think it's just good. Okay. Like I think that's just it. I think it's just good. Like okay. it's just a really, it's just a really good card. Yeah. But like. Being a really good card doesn't mean that you can't play against it. Like we talked about a few weeks back, like you know, one of our one of my friends won a PTQ in Vintage online by playing a deck with Pernicious Deed in it, like and wrecking Urza Sagas all day with Pernicious Deed, like you know. So there's tons of like counterplates to the card in that format, and so I just think like we talked before the pre-show about the unbanning of Luris in that format. Yeah. And how the unbanning of Luris with the changed companion rules uh ended up being actually like a super positive thing for that format simply because it's completely unplayable in all the blue decks. Like it's like you can play it, sure, but then you're giving up playing Bolas's Citadel and Tinker. Right. And like those are like legitimate cards that you are giving up playing because there's no reason to play Tinker in a Luris deck, because what are you going to get? Like, Soul Ring? Like, <laughs> you know, you can play Breach, and you can Tinker for Lotus, or whatever, or something like that. Whoa, cool. Like, you Tinker... It's just silly. Yeah. So, like, you can play Luris and Breach, but then, like, you're still giving up the Tinker package, and, like, giving up the Tinker package when the Tinker package is arguably, like, the best... one of the best packages in the format right now, mm -hmm. is, like, kind of rough. And so what happened was is that when Loris got unbanned, everybody was like, "Oh, we'll just play, we'll play Loris for a while," and then everybody realized that Loris was kind of bad at having to pay six mana for it. And then people realized it's really good in these mono white piles. 
uh, where you have like basically a functional like death and taxes deck in in vintage that can play Luris as like a hedge, you know, against you know being able to put out multiple things a turn, uh, at being able to rebuy creatures that die. You know, basically, it just became, it become it became a literal just a value card. It didn't become a power card. It became right. a value card. Assuming those creatures aren't exiled, but yeah, right. But like, oh, like my mox and like so something got shattering spreed. Like I can bring back like you know a mox or something like that, or a lo- or just the 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 best part of bringing back lotus and stuff like that. You know, yeah, every turn and be able to accelerate. You know, or. Yeah, so it just ended up being, like, this card where you're like, well, Lurus just kind of was, like, fine. Like, it just became okay. It didn't become busted. It didn't become gross. It just kind of came fine. And even now, uh, like, you look at Goldfish, uh, it is in the top 50 of creatures played in currently in Vintage. It is number 47 <laughs> at 3% of the format as a one-of because it's in the sideboard. Number 47 with a bullet. Yeah, and I'm like, whereas, like, the top card played in the for- top creature played in the format right now is Sphinx of the Steel Wind uh, at 30% of the decks wow. because it's, cause, uh, cause a, tinker it's a, t- cause a tinker target. And it's, like, one of the best, like, creature tinker targets in the format because so it dodges so many things. Row red and green? Yeah, it dodges all the artifact destruction. Yep. It dodges, um, you know, uh, Dak Faden. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. Like nice. so, yeah. So I mean, like that's the thing. Like Vintage just seems to absorb these cards better. Like even Ragavan starting to see like an uptick of play in Vintage, and it just seems to be okay. Like it doesn't seem to be like busted. Yeah, uh, you know, um, the decks that are the what happens with Vintage every week, and it happens every week. Every week I look at the data for Vintage uh, because. They, the Vintage Streamers Discord Justin Gerardi's group collects that data. I look at the data for my article. I look at the, the top eights, all that stuff. And every time I look at the format, and every time I look at this data, I'm like, man, this, this format looks so stinking healthy. Like, every week. And it's just like, it looks so good because every week is there's always, like, a different, like, it, there might be, like, the same decks in, like, a top eight, but there's always, like, a different deck that won, or there's always, like, a different composition of those decks that makes it look interesting. Um, yeah, the decks all look samey because of all the power cards, all the restricted cards, but like, it just seems like it's great, honestly. Like, the format just looks like a lot of fun. Uh, and it's just like, nothing seems like completely overpowered uh, in the format right now, and it's just like, okay, well, hmm. <laughs> like, well, neat. Like, you, you know what vintage is? And it always seems to be this, especially when the conditions are set, how I'm going to describe them. Vintages, sitting on a stool or chair at a table, drinking out of a mug, as literally the dog with everything on fire meme. Because all the other formats are on fire, and Vintage is like, this, this is, is fine. fine. Yeah, this is fine. There, and it does. It just seems to absorb cards. Though. Yeah. I think, I think, and, and that's why I'm like, people, some of the guys in the Vintage Discord were like, I don't know who I would actually put on a Vintage panel, and I'm like, do we really need one? Like, I don't think we do. Like, yeah. I think this format's fine by itself without needing that kind of communication, because it seems like when something truly broken happens in Vintage, they're pretty quick at, at fixing it. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking yeah. about that uh, before recording. Uh, Karn the Great Creator and Mystic Forge were Did not uh, restricted <laughs> very quickly uh, well, well, from the point of their release. Re- restricted quickly once they were both in the format together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, that's the real, like, like, the thing to say is Karn was released first, and Karn was good, was very good. Yeah. But it wasn't until Mystic Forge came out that really that deck became, like, an absolutely bonkers deck. And today, there to this day, there's still people that are like, could we have restricted Karn and not restricted Mystic Forge? And I mean, yeah, Mystic Forge was, was gross. That card was absurd, and she definitely be restricted. <laughs> like, <laughs> there were, there were, there were, during that period of time, because I knew I had limited time to do so, um, but that card was previewed uh, by my friends over at Serious Vintage by uh, Nat Mo's and uh, Jeff Mo's and Andy Brassman uh, Brabasco. And Brassman had put together this like deck that was just like, this is Mystic Forge combo. Like it's it's instead of playing with Karn and, and trying to go for like you know immediately into you know using Karn as the win condition, just use a cost reducer, uh, you know Mystic Forge and like a ten- Sensei's top and just win the game. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, that seems cool. So I started iterating on that. And um, that was pretty much all I played during that that period of time, and the deck seemed dumb. Like it seemed ab- lab- there was no Carns in the deck. It was absolutely busted. I played like ten lands, like tops. It was just a pile of artifact mana and uh, the normal lands you would play. Like uh, ancient, it was like literally like four ancient tomb, four uh, Mishra's workshop, and like Talarian Academy and Strip Mine, and that was like it. <laughs> okay, so here's a question. Uh, would you uh, is this in um, in concert with Bulls of Citadel? No, no. You just got a Mystic Forge into play with a, like a Foundry Inspector. Oh, okay. Something to reduce the artifact costs uh, uh, by and one. Then, uh, yeah, and then you got just walt- waltz through with uh, top. Yeah. Uh, but then you're like got to a point where like it's like originally he had like a bunch of like the tiny like robot dudes like Memnites and stuff like that there to like to up the zero count. Sure. And I and I ended up just uh putting in uh I think four copies of like manifold key and um a time vault and just went a ham on that. Oh yeah. Dead. Oh yeah. yeah. And I and it was just like put my entire deck into play put a uh put a time vault into play win. Like yeah. and I did have some games where it was like I'm all to four in this game. Went on turn one on the draw. <laughs> like, just magically went on turn one on the draw. And it was just like, turn one. Like, and it was just like, but nobody was playing it. Nobody saw that. Like, and so, right. yeah. So it was just one of those things where it was like, people are like, oh man, Mystic Force probably would have been fine. No, no, that card not would have been. I've been fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. It, it, it was so oppressive. I, I remember um, talking about this. This is well before the. Uh, this is before the Astrolab podcast was even in existence. Yeah. Um, it was so bad that uh, Mishra's work- Workshop was not, like, Shop's decks were kind of like second fiddle. No, no, Shop's decks were, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so what happened? Your traditional Shop's decks, I should what say. Hap- what happened there is that 
eventually before until it got until it got all the stuff got restricted yeah is there was literally one deck in the entire format that beat the Karn decks but also beat Dredge and that was Buck yeah and so what happened was is that the challenges at meta game and all the stuff became like 95% Buck because that was the only deck that beat those decks <laughs> and it was just like Wow! Yeah, like, yeah. Tarmogoyf so, turning sideways, winning games, and the, and the card deck, the card. Well, it was not just that, right? Um, uh, it was also uh, because we we were also now knee deep into uh, the first Modern Horizon set. Mm-hmm. So they got Force of Vigor, yeah. they got Collector Oof, yep. and those cards that let them actively deal with the card decks. And so a lot of times the card decks, what the card decks tried to do is they were like. Well, I want to put defense grid on turn one, whatnot, and then I want to turn two you with turn two Karn, right, or whatnot. And a lot of times it was like you know deck would you know bug would be like force that, blow up your crap, get get out of here, like you know, right, go go away, you know. And so it being the only deck that could beat that deck, literally like that's what the format became it was bug versus bug, and. That exacerbated the fact that the Karn deck was so good that it required everybody to switch to a completely different deck mm-hmm. in order to beat it. And so that was like, people were like, well, the format's like 95% bug. The Karn deck's nowhere. Like, where is it? Like, because the format's 95% bug. <laughs> Can't you see that? And yeah. people were just like, people didn't understand that. And so when they restricted those cards, we were like, well, well why? And it's like, well, because. The, the format were... overcorrected so much yeah. that none yeah. of the other decks showed up. You couldn't uh, it, play it, Jeskai in that format because Jeskai was so actively bad against the Karn decks. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of soft to dredge at the time, and, too. So. And the overcorrection was so great that they also restricted Golgari Grave Troll to cut down the number of green cards and dredge. And it, it still didn't matter. It still played no. Force of Beggar. Sure. Uh, which is fine. Like, it's it's on that cusp now where, like, because of how bizarre works it lets you play those play that many cards like there's right. a lot less green cards in the deck than um you could you should be playing but because it's a bizarre deck bizarre makes that math weird right uh because you are able to draw 3 off bizarre <laughs> but, <laughs> or, or you know you're able to draw two 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 cards off bizarre and like that makes it that math kind of work out so right but still yeah. all this highlights how quickly they respond to vintage which is weird versus other think, formats. Yeah, it's weird to think about, but yeah, they, they they really do. And the fact that they haven't done anything to vintage right now kind of suggests to me that they think the format's fine. And honestly, every time I look at the format, I'm like, yeah, it looks fine. Like, yeah, every the, every looks fine. Like every, all the data says, like that it looks great. Like the last thing that was done was literally about a year ago when Loris was, was unbanned. Unbanned. Yeah, yeah. and that yeah. was after. See how long was it banned for? It was banned in May of 2020, uh, and then unbanned February 2021. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that was and that was fine. I I, I think I think them unbanning Luris uh, was arguably one of the best things about that because they also were able to preface that with vintage is the way it is uh, because we like the fact that we have a format that people can play every card in. Just about, uh, yeah. It's like what, yeah, just about ninety-seven percent of cards. I would yes, say, yes, yeah, yeah. And the the cards that are banned are cards that are 
impossible to play because yeah. of dex- dexterity, your you know, crap an- like that. Anti-cards, your anti-cards, dexterity cards, the conspiracies. Sub-games, sub, sub um, uh, Shah And I think the uh, questionable art cards are also yeah, banned. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, the... the Culturally insensitive, like. I think, is what yes, they're yeah, called. Yes, those, yes, yeah. yeah. So, like, there's really not a lot, there's not a really a huge amount on the ban list, mm-hmm. and Loris being on the ban list always did kind of feel weird, but there was no other way for them to correct the card under the other, other under the old companion mechanic. There was just no way for them to actually, it was unrestrictable. You could not restrict it. Yeah. Uh, and it was something I predicted when that came out. It was like, this card will get banned. It will not, nothing else will happen. This card will get banned because there's no other way to, for them to fix it. Right. And sure enough, it got banned. But they didn't really want it to be banned. So once they fixed the mechanic, like, then they were like, okay, well, let's try it. And sure enough, it ended up being, like, just this, like, fine card. Like, right. it shows up It shows up in Mono White and Orzov Death and Taxi lists. And this is why I think with Double Masters coming out, because we already have a quote, fixed version of Loras uh, in, the, in, the in paper. Decks. It's in the Pioneer Auras deck. Yeah, uh, It's got like the Shooting Star logo or whatever on the card. That's why I think in uh, Double Double Masters Masters, which is coming out this year, we're going to get uh, the quote, fixed versions. Uh, hopefully they are banned from Modern before that happens because <laughs> uh, currently, uh, just online data you know, they're taking up, if not all of top 16 or whatever, it's pretty damn close. They're they're already yeah. taking over all the top 8s. I feel like Luris is one of those cards that probably could go, but I don't know. Like, I don't play the format enough. Just, any, you know, just, so. just take out Luris and Yorion, and I, you know, I, 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 take I, out everything. I think Yorion is always just fine. But I, that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like, know. I I, think... I I do like the Sky Noodle because I think that the having to figure out the math of being at 80 cards and 80 cards also making you a little softer to decks where you need specific sideboard cards is like the downside. And I think that that's just totally fine. Like, I, I guess. I don't know. It like, would just... It it's, would... it's like... It's like the one of the fairer companions to me that's playable. Like all the other companion, there there's like no other companion in modern that's literally playable. I don't think. Um, well, Kahir is played. Kahir, Kahira, but like that's like such a weird niche situation because you're playing it in a deck that doesn't have any creatures. Uh, which I mean, ninety percent of the time, like ninety percent of the time, you're playing in in um Azorius control and. Like, you're just like, oh, I'm playing it because it's a creature that I can put into play because I don't have any creatures in this deck. And it just seems silly to me, but whatever. Like, it's... I, it's the, I hate it. Maybe Giganta's playable in something, but, like... I, I've seen it come up in, like, Jim Davis-esque Tron list. Yeah. I, I, he, I've he seen doesn't, it... He doesn't play Carnegie Great Creator or any of those cards. I've seen it in Pioneer. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I've seen Giganta in Pioneer. And I think actually, because when I was looking Aren't at those Pioneer, the Niv Delight decks, maybe yeah, those and um, the um, the Jeskai Ascendancy deck, yeah, uh, doesn't play any double mana costs for anything, so yeah. uh, so it's playable there, uh, which is probably pretty good because it adds rainbow mana, 
And so you could use it to like cast an Omnath or something like that in that deck, uh, which seems kind of okay if you're like not good on mana to have an op- to be able to put Omnath play. But that seems like so easy for that deck to do because of like all of the cards like Sylvan Carotid and Growth Spiral. Uh, honestly, that deck seemed kind of actually absurd. If I hadn't bought like the Lotus Field deck, I probably would have maybe considered building that deck because it's only like three hundred bucks. Well, I, um, I I have a new idea for a format. Uh, it's how modern it is right now, just without the companions. We'll just call it the Lone Ranger format, because there's no uh, companion with you. Uh, that was bad. Real bad. I mean, hey, I, I'm not the captain of bad name formats, so. Oh, that was, that was good. Zing. That, one, that, that one was good. Okay, I'll give you that one. That was good. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Anyways, um. So, moving on a little bit... Um, well, we well little... one thing I want to touch on about formats real quick, and then we'll move on. Since the beginning of 2020, and yes, I understand there's a pandemic, and between now and then, most of the Magic play has been online. The format that's been touched the most has been Historic. Yeah. Uh, and in some instances, Historic Brawl. And I get it, Arena's like they're, they're the, the newborn, and there's a lot of attention to it and whatever. But... You know, just because there's no paper formats, the other formats were being played. Like, if you look back on the history of how things were banned and the frequency of bands and things like that, yeah, sure, there's a lot of crap that happened with uh, standard cards from uh, 2018 and 2019, whatever. That's a whole other discussion. But the fact that there was still enough data pre-pandemic to be able to help them make decisions, and then suddenly it's like crickets. We it took forever to get things like uh, yeah, well, Euro and again, banned and, and stuff and again, like that. I, I I think that these these format panels could be a good yeah. thing for that. Obviously, it, yeah, it, so. exactly because they yeah. it seems like they have. I, I don't want to speak for them, but just looking at it and being objective from my perspective here, it seems they have enough bandwidth to deal with. Okay. We're we're seeing Omnath as a common historic, so we're going to ban that, for example, like they did in February of last year. Or, um, oh, these mystical archive cards that are in paper, we can't have those in historic because they'll destroy things. They have enough bandwidth for that, but maybe not other things. And hopefully, panels in the future will will do yeah. good things with that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. more things. So I- uh, bad bad news. Uh yeah, a little bit. Uh, the forty k got postponed. Boo! Uh, I feel Stupid bad. For COVID. I feel bad for Jeremy. Same. Uh, he's he really is trying to push getting this going. Uh, but it just things keep happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got postponed to September. Uh, so oh, here's hoping. Uh, I uh guess I should actually care about this team constructed thing in Indy now. Yeah, uh, at this point, I guess. Like, sounds like it. I guess like so. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens if I actually find something to do with that if somebody mm-hmm. wants me to play legacy or somebody wants me to play modern or pioneer i can play either i can play any of the formats like yeah. at this point like uh it doesn't really matter but um i uh might just yell at zach toth if he's listening because i know he probably will listen and see if we can come up with something so that would be fun uh so yeah that happened uh feel bad for jeremy don't spread hate to jeremy jeremy's a nice guy and yeah. he really is just trying his best so and I feel really bad for him. Uh, in the Facebook post he made about it, he talked about some of the costs of moving these events. Mm. 
And uh, every time he's moved this event, it's cost him $6,000. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I can't yeah, even yeah. think of that amount of money. Yeah, it's it's insane. So, yeah, I'm like, all right, well, yeah, I feel bad for him. So please don't get on him. Uh, um, side note about the SCG events, the SCG cons. Uh, I heard today, because I asked, uh, that artist announcements will be coming soon. There will be multiple artists at each stop. Hmm. Uh, they just don't have the details yet, uh, which then I responded, Give me a good list of artists for indie. That may get me out there. Yeah, so, I I um, hope that we'll get some information soon on those events. Uh, that includes uh, what entry fees are going to look like yep. and all that stuff. So, um, and then so moving on to the final piece of news that we really just kind of want to just mention briefly uh, to talk about is that um, the uh, Hasbro has named their new CEO. Um, and it is um, Scott Campbell. Oh no, wait, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> some people may not be totally aware, but um, their previous CEO uh, Brian Goldner uh, passed away tragically, mm-hmm. uh, and very rough. Uh, but the new CEO uh, is none other than the Wizards' current CEO, Chris Cox. Yep. And um, that's uh, that's interesting. Now. That's interesting. I I I don't know how to feel about that. Like I actually don't. Uh. Um, I I I don't know how much of since Chris Cox became to Wizards of the Coast, how much of that has been, how much of what has happened with Wizards has been at the direction of Chris. Yeah. I so I wonder what that's going to do with the Hasbro macro level, and I'm just kind of like, mm. well, here's a couple things to keep in mind from the Magic perspective. If he just moved, there are still at least two years worth of sets. We haven't seen. Granted, yeah. some of those we know. Like, we know right. the rest of the slate for this year. We know uh, Lord of the Rings slash Modern Horizons 3, uh, the, the search for the One Ring, whatever. That's coming out next year, right? Yeah. We, we know that much. Once we get past that, it's going to take us to 2024, even 2025, to see if how the design post Chris Cox has... CEO of Hasbro. Um, right. But it's going to take us that long to see if, like, there's any type of indelible change. Maybe. I, I don't know. But yeah. um, what I hope, as it's weird, and because uh, I, I think I've talked about this previously, uh, I look at look back at things in my life as a kid and now, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm a Hasbro kid. Whether it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> whether it's, uh, the Marvel action figures, or even Transformers, and now Magic. I'm I'm a Hasbro kid. I grew up with Star Wars. Hasbro bought Kenner, so right, like yeah, yeah. you know, uh, everything just kind of comes back to Hasbro. And I'm kind of waiting for Disney to buy them. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, that there's no rumor. I'm just kind of m- making fun of Disney buying everything. But hear me out. So Chris Cox comes in. We're gonna. Increase Magic's revenue fivefold, or or double each year uh, for the from now through the next five years, or however it was he said, and it worked. They made a billion dollars last year, a bill, a billion no, profit, billion. Yeah, B, lot, lot, lot of money, lots of zeros, lots of commas. Figure out how to place them. So that's great for Wizards. However. You look at other products. The Transformers TCG didn't take off. Um, 
My Little Pony is uh, part of Hasbro, right? Yeah. I I don't hear outside of you and a couple other people, I don't hear people really talking about My Little Pony. Um, uh, that's because that's because it's been yeah okay so so let let's let's talk about that for a second. It's been two years. Well, so now now you'll start to hear a little bit more coming up soon. Okay. Uh, and the reason is is because it's been two years since the end of Friendship is Magic. Sure. Uh, we just had a movie mm-hmm. on Netflix, uh, My Little Pony: A New Generation. There is a series coming, which is Generation Five. Okay. So, like that's coming like next year. Well, not next year, this year. Like, supposedly, like, September of this year is the beginning of G5. Well, I say that in, like, the beginning of the series. There is supposed to be, like, a... They're putting a lot of eggs in this, honestly. There is a 45-minute special coming, like, in, like, May or something like that. Oh, kind of like the Star Wars holiday special? Yeah, oh, wait, yeah, no, not, like not like that. Nah. <laughs> There's, like, a 45-minute special coming. Yeah. Then, then the series starts... And then another like forty five minute like Christmas special, Dang. like so they're putting a lot of eggs on this one, and I'm like, okay, but the thing about that is, is it's with Netflix, mm-hmm. they have to, there there is that concern of okay, we had the movie, the movie was really good, mm-hmm. are we going to retain the same voice actors for the show, right? Like, and, like, is that a concern to be worried about? Um, now, I know people <laughs> in that com- in the community in that regards, and uh, one of those people is one of the voice actresses who's worked on My Little Pony uh, in the past, uh, who's one of our eternal uh, TrotCon guests, uh, Ellie Ray, and just all over at, Tr- at TrotCon, Ellie Ray was like, yeah, I'm not gonna like say anything too much because I'm not allowed to say a whole lot. But uh, G5 will have somebody you know <laughs> in the show, maybe me. Like she was like very oblique, you know, very upfront about being like, I'm not really supposed to say this, but right, you know, I have a voice role in the series. There are other people that you're familiar with that have were in Friendship is Magic that will have a voice role in the series, and you're like. Okay, like I'm on board. Like I'm, I'm okay. But I'm just like I, I want to make sure that like there are things like, um, you're familiar with James Marston, yes. I assume, yeah, yeah. So James Marston was one of the the voice actors in the movie. Cool. And I'm like, are they going to retain James Marston for this movie? Like for the series? Like is that going to happen? Like, are we going to retain Kamiko Glenn? I think that's a yes because Kamiko Glenn like is clearly used to doing this kind of stuff uh, because um, we talked a little bit about Centaur World last week. I think she was the primary role Centaur World, uh, so like it's clear she's really good at doing this kind of stuff. So I think she they can retain her. Uh, but like, are they going to retain this voice cast? Like, is that going to be a thing? Like, we got Sophia Carson, we got Liza Koshy, like we got big name people, Vanessa Hudgens uh, of High School Musical fame. Or are they going to retain her? Like, it's just... So, stuff like that. So, I have you'll a question, hear... I have a question about James Marston, and I'm sorry. Um, yes. James Marston is also in the Sonic movie that's coming out this year. So, so in, in the My Little Pony uh, show where he's doing voice acting, has he been typecast as, like, the atypical male who then has his woman stolen by, like, the anti-hero? No. Because it's like he's been typecast as that, you know, whether it's X-Men or Superman Returns or whatever. I just wanted like, he, he, he kept going with that 
shtick. He plays a sheriff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just poking fun at previous he roles a, he had. He, he, plays, he plays a sheriff. Because, like, there was a, a period right there in the early 2000s where you watch him as Scott Summers, and it's like, hey, there's his wife, and being hit on by Hugh Jackman. Great. Yeah, I so then, then I you get Superman Returns. And it's like, oh, he's married to Lois, but here comes Superman. It's like, right, this right, dude right. can't catch a break. I I think it's great. What I love about James Marston now is that yeah. he's just like a funny guy. Like he's just funny. He like, he's really leaned into it. What was that movie with the was was it like a Easter egg or something? Oh yeah yeah, uh, Peter Rabbit. No, not yeah. Peter Rabbit. Um, Hop. Yeah. Ever since it's that hot, movie, yeah. it seems like he's just landed. Yeah. Oh, they well, want well, me to well, be this goofy guy or whatever. Yeah. Right? Well, did well, did you see Sonic? Like, did uh, you see no. Sonic that? Okay. Like, he's really good in Sonic. So, okay. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, he just kind of has this like kind of this thing. But like, they got people like Ken Jeong is in, was in the movie. Huh. Like, and I'm like, well, okay. Like, can we retain Ken? Uh, it's just stuff like that. I I worry about stuff like that because I think that it it matters. Uh, no, I, I would understand if they have to recast somebody, but like it to me, it breaks immersion. Well, when, a you're, bit when you... you're right, and you're you're talking about this. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I just wanted to agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But that's where Hasbro failed back when I was a kid, like when Transformers stopped, and then they just reran the shows and to get more toy sales. And then they rebooted it years later as Beast Wars. I was out. I was like, nope, <laughs> done. I will I will find something else to do. And I forgot, didn't care, whatever, about Transformers. And as a business, you do not want a customer who has been a longtime customer. And I hope Wizards Coast is hearing this. Uh, a longtime customer to no longer care about your product and to eventually forget you as if you're like, something from the past because yeah. that is the death now. So it, with for you with my little pony, I hope they understand that and like, Hey, we're going to do uh, the next chapter and uh, continuing stories with these characters. Keep the same voice actors. That's right. why there's so much hype with X-Men 95 when that 97. comes back. Or I'm sorry. You're right. Thank you. X-Men 97. Get a little ahead of myself, I guess. Um, when that comes back, because of those people who are still alive, uh, those voice actors are coming back to reprise their roles. I yeah. will also say this. The animation has gotten better. Yeah. They're, they're still going to do the same animation style, but, you know. It'll look cleaner. It'll look cleaner, and people will look at that, and it should be like, oh, look at them getting woke. And it's like, no, the animation is getting cleaner. So, like, cool your tits, people. Um, right. the voice actors who play Jubilee, it's like, hey, I am not Asian American. Jubilee is Asian American. Please give that to a uh, voice actors to better portray that character. I will do something else. So yeah. that came out and I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's something that is going to be great. I hope, what I hope for Chris Cox taking over CEO of Hasbro is this. Other IPs that are small in, uh, not the lexicon, but small in the, the scope of the consumer, maybe don't have a presence on the toy shelf, right? Obviously, there are shipping issues or whatever. And that's all another story. 
I hope those are rejuvenated in some way. Where you go yeah. down to Toy Isle and you see My Little Pony and Transformers. And uh, of course, you'll see Marvel figures because of the movies. But, right. um, you know, things like that. Like G.I. Joe. What, what the hell is going on with G.I. Joe? It's just figures. There's no show or anything. So I have a feeling that uh, there'll be this. We're actually starting to see it now. Hasbro pulling shows from Netflix or wherever and putting them on YouTube under their own channel. I have a feeling that within the next five years, there will be a Hasbro Plus something where yeah. there will be a streaming service that you pay for to get your My Little Ponies and Transformers or whatever. The right. Mike, the Michael Bay movies, uh, there are people who like them, but I don't think it's had as great of an impact on the Transformers fan base. Uh, it's still kind of a meme and talk and poke fun at in some ways. There are a lot of people who like G1, such as myself, um, and the rejuvenation into the franchise to the point where there was the War for Cybertron trilogy that was on Netflix. Like, I think there's enough of a fan base out there that if people at Hasbro are smart, they're like, oh, they, they want G1 Transformers. They want these characters. Let's figure it out and go forward from there. Yeah. Um, though people will still be complaining, but you know, whatever that happens. The D and D movies coming out. Obviously that's a Watsy property, but Hasbro's associated with it. Who can make toys? Hasbro, right? So like there are definitely money stream revenues that are gonna be out and available that will be associated directly with Hasbro overall as a company and with Crix Cox there to make sure that profit margin gets pushed as high as possible. I just, I, I, it's all the, uh, what do they call it? The pushing up the, all the ships to float or something. I don't know that analogy well, but you know what I mean? Uh, all, all ships float high, something. It, it's going to be a good thing, more or less, is what I'm trying to get at. It's yeah. like, whatever. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm, cautious. I, I understand you're worried. I, I totally get it. Because you, you get someone in, it's like, ooh, I'm going to meddle in this when it's like, mm, it was fine before. Right. I, I get it. I get it. Um, it is interesting, though, like I mentioned about magic, like who's going to take over that role? Um, yeah, that that is, that is the interesting consideration as to who could be the one that steps up in that role. Yeah. yeah. Plus, with so, Chris Cox at the helm of Hasbro CEO, could he be our voice of reason to finally crack through and ban the fucking reserve list? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that'll ever happen, Scott. Yeah, um, I, I don't. Oh, oh, one other thing I did want to mention before we got going. Uh, did you get a chance to sit and watch the um, the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty thing? I I watched it. Slash, it was on the background. Um, a, a few things that I learned from it. Um, and again, I don't know enough about it anyway to really even speak on it. Is that they brought in a cultural expert. Who had yeah. never played Magic. Yeah. It was, magic was completely, as far as the game and everything, was completely brand new to this person. Yeah. And he wanted to make sure that everything wasn't sword, 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 as far as the weapons. He also wanted to make sure that uh, it wasn't just Asian uh, representation, but more like 
I guess, non-Okinawa Japan yeah, representation. Yeah, I, I, I actually didn't know that. Like, and I'm like, that, oh, that, that, Okinawa that's a thing? Had, like, different sword, different weaponry. And yeah. Stuff like, that. like, that was... So, I I, th- I, I, I really... Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because uh, it was... It seemed like... So, but I, I, there was a comment on the YouTube video that I saw that someone was like, normally I kind of, like, tend to tune out, like, when people start talking about, like, cultural consultants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The way that you... But, but they went on to say, the way that you guys explained it in this video made me really understand why it's necessary. Right. Look and at I that. Thought, Back yeah. to communication, right? Right. And I and I and they did. They explained it really well and um it was interesting. And uh the general consensus I see from some of the people that I'm friends with on Twitter that mm-hmm. are Asian American, uh is that it was uh it was very, very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are very positive about uh this whole thing and they're like man like after i watched the video now i feel a little bit better about this yeah uh, so i'm like okay like i i'm i'm excited to see where they go with it because um i i like the the cyberpunk aesthetic and i i like that they managed to like approach it in a fashion where they are able to like be cyberpunk but also be like still like have that traditional kamigawa uh, aspect to it, so right. I hope it's not so heavy-handed on the cyberpunk that your typical Twitter comments start appearing like from day one or whatever. Yeah. Um, I you know that was one of the things when they announced all the sets coming out for this year. It's like oh, catering to cis white males, blah blah blah. Like that was like the immediate announcement from like people on Twitter, and it's like. Can, can we see the cards first before we start like jumping these conclusions? I, I um, really liked this this thing because I also liked that they didn't show any cards at all. Yeah, uh, but we saw a lot of art. And, an announcement of an announcement, and they were just basically like, "Hey, we're gonna have a talk about like the world and where we've come from mm-hmm. and where we're going and how we approach it respectfully and tastefully." And um, I think that says a lot. So I'm as, I was I'm, right. I'm I'm actually more excited now. I was actually like, okay, like now I'm a little bit more excited about this set. So again, it goes uh, back to it takes them at least two years, and I think they even said in the the video that some sets are even developed and ready for print, but like more than two years out. Yeah, um, well, just and of it was, how they've done stuff. It was interesting too that um, they also didn't know that this was going to be Kamigawa until like pretty late in the process like yeah they actually didn't really know it was going to be kamigawa uh, they just knew it was going to be like a cyberpunky set or whatnot mm-hmm. and once it kind of like flipped to being okay this is kamigawa how do we you know how do we do this you know and so i i, I liked it I'm, i was I, i'm excited so and I, this is the pandemic set yeah this yeah was yes it was our first one where they yeah where they had to develop it remotely and they also did their um, uh, their con their content push that they normally do all remotely as well. So right. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. I, like my only concern is if they go like if the powerful the played cards are all like cyberpunk. Like if it leans heavily that way, it's like are we really representing if like the draft chaff and the crap that people aren't even playing with that is proper representation being left on the sidelines. Like that, that would be, uh, I would think that would be a valid concern. 
Uh, I did not. I was not playing Magic when Kamigawa was out initially. I, wa- I wasn't either. So yeah. this will be, in a way, my first experience with the world. Um, but you know, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I am concerned though that this may be another call time, where there's this giant push, and then six months later, people oh that was this year. <laughs> well, yeah. to be fair, everybody remembers Kamigawa at this point because of the card All Runs Epiphany. But <laughs> <laughs> you mean uh, Call Time? You said yeah, Call Time. Call, call Time. Yeah. Wait, yeah, what if they put All Runs Epiphany 2.0 in Kamigawa? Psych, got ya. Here's something to think about, though. They'll have to uh, make an alchemy of alchemy just to fix a card. It'll be like the exhibit meme, like. Yo, I heard you like alchemy, so here's an alchemy in your alchemy to alchemy. Here's something to think about. Um, I am curious about uh, storyline perspective. Uh, yeah. Because there has been a few hints here or there that we might see a certain um, Phyrexian character in this uh, set as well. Uh, and I've heard that the rumors float around that it would be uh, Jin Cataxius, uh, yeah, which would but... which would be absolutely like perfect for the aesthetic of the set, and because we've been getting these hints, yeah, we've been getting these dropped hints, and these they're figuring out how to go to other planes. Well, and... here's the question: Is let's say Jin Cataxius shows up, right? Is the time that Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is at that moment, the same time yes. as whatever's happening on New Phyrexia. Yes. yes. Because we're going forward in time from last yes. Kamigawa to now. Yes, because we're going into Kamigawa's present. Okay. That's that's the key. We're we're coming into Kamigawa's present. Right. It just it feels like that this is supposed it, to be a future set and we're supposed to think in the future, but here comes a character that prior to us understanding the set we thought of like, yeah, they they they, they, they addressed they addressed that. They said they okay. said that it yeah the, this set is in the current timeline. It's just that the Kamigawa we saw in Kamigawa the Kamigawa original Kamigawa block was in the past. Okay, that happened. The Kami War happened twelve hundred years ago in the past. Right, like like the Kami War and all that stuff happened so far back in time time chronologically wise. That the set Legends takes place chronologically after Kamigawa. Alright. Uh, yeah. I'm going to need to go get <laughs> a uh, an inflatable vest and a DeLorean to figure all this out. <laughs> so, um, you Wait, know... I, I, I can see Tetsuo Umazawa just showing up uh, and Nicol Bolas is up in the air and Tetsuo is like, Nicol Bolas! I have to tell you about the future. So, so Tetsuo. I was making it back to the future. Yeah, 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 anyway, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Te- so Tetsuo is the descendant of Toshiro. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird to think about, but yeah, when you, when we visited Kamigawa, we were in the past. It was, and that that part of that is that at the time because of the whole like they really didn't communicate that well enough mm-hmm. during that time. But, like, that's basically what happened is, like, they, um, they set it in the past so that, um, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, it's in the past, uh, you know, that's what happened, 
in the past, the Kami War and all that stuff. And then now we're in the future, but the future takes place at the same time as uh, everything else that's going on. Uh, now, if you read the like the story article about Kaito, uh, which is the the ninja planeswalker, mm-hmm. uh, there's reference to uh, a metal armed man being on the plane in reference to the emperor. My so dude, we'll probably at Tesseret too. Yeah, at buddy. some point, like, and it would make sense so, for this type of set. Yes. Well, not only that, like. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of concern. Like the only way that the Phyrexians can traverse to another plane would theoretically, at this point, be with Tezzeret's planar bridge technology. Uh huh. And so it's pretty pretty clear Tezzeret is on the side of the Phyrexians. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like he's 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 with them, and so uh, that's why it's like okay, well, so the last time we saw a Phyrexian was was in Kaldheim. You know, we saw Vorinclex in Kaldheim, and what was one of the big takeaways that came from Kaldheim was that what were they looking for in, in Kaldheim was the God Serum, the 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 sap from the tree. Yep, the, from, the, uh, that, the, the leaf of the World Tree. Yeah, yeah, from the from the World Tree that turns them into gods, essentially. Mm-hmm. So now is Jinkataxius capable of traversing the Planar Bridge? With his organic material attack, because he's infused with that crap. Ooh, scary! Yeah, Maybe. scary. So yeah, I, I'm hoping we get to see. I'm hoping that Jinkataxius is something we get to see, and especially since we get it, then we a get a new Jinkataxius that is hopefully not as super obnoxious as the original Jinkataxius. Yeah, <laughs> but but but, but, but probably like will be. World. But probably will be. Uh, yeah. And that also gives us a chance to get, like, a new version of Jinkataxius and then get, like, a Phyrexian printing of a new Jinkataxius. Could could you imagine, like, because we have, like, these weird artworks already, right? Like, we have one for the Planeswalker that's done, like, what, Fist of the North Star? Fist of the North Star, and then we got the Metal Gear Solid artist for uh, Satoru Ilmazawa. Right, so let's say they take Jinkataxius, right? And the alternate art is, like, a hacker. And it has, like, Japanese script or whatever on there. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that it has to be some sort of pop culture, like, you know, well, sure. person who who does these kind of things. Like, um, maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't rightly say who would be good for that, but I mean, yeah, I'm assuming, I, I have no I'm, assuming I'm assuming it's still going to be Jinkataxius. It's just going to be stylistically, they'll look in the style that they, they this person would uh, do artwork in, like. Right. So yeah, so you mentioned legends earlier. Is all of legends uh, from Kamigawa? No, okay. no, no. They, they, so okay, so at the end of quick quick lore refresher for us people that know the lore, right? Um, one of the main characters of the Kamigawa block is uh, Toshiro Umazawa, mm-hmm. uh, and Toshiro Umazawa was a a Ronin who basically did everything for himself. Uh, that was basically like his, his code. He, he, if it wasn't, he didn't get anything out of it. He didn't do it. Uh, he was very self-centered, very selfish. Uh, in fact, the entire reason he got involved in the Kami war to begin with and got involved with, uh, Michiko Kanda was that he wanted just, just to have the word of a princess on his side. Like he wanted to have like the backing of a royal backing. Oh, so he's, he's neutral evil. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's a black line character. Uh, and so he was just like, look, if it's not it for me, I'm not into it. And uh, one of the things that he did throughout the course of the of the story is that he became the um, he he became a servant of a the one of the Myogens of Kamigawa, which was the Myogen of Night's Reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Myogen of Night's Reach is one of the kami that actually has the power to traverse planes. Uh, she's just that strong. She's that powerful. And so. What happened was, is my the Myogen gave him this ability to step through the shadows of Kamigawa and be able to, you know, shadow step into places. And by the end of it all, he had abused this ability so much, and he used his um, his connection with uh, with the Myogen in such a way that um because she was basically she was at, at the point where she was like look you've betrayed me too much uh my my trust and the and the powers i've given you and you're not doing what i asked you to do uh you know your pun here's your punishment uh and so basically what happened was is uh she at the end of the the storyline she transported him to a different plane uh and whatnot that plane being dominaria uh and so uh, basically what happened was is uh, uh she put him there she blinded him and left him near the talon gates of madara uh near in dominaria and so basically he kind of became the the first of clan umazawa on dominaria and so that's kind of how that arose. And Tetsuo was a descendant of his. Okay. Uh, well, on so all all of Legends takes place on Dominaria. Okay. Well, the reason yeah. I asked is I was going to suggest that someone out there build a cube that has all of champions through uh, saviors of Kamigawa, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, and any card in any set, including Legends that is either from or references Kamigawa, and just jam it all in a cube. Which would basically be just like Tetsuo. Yeah, that would basically be it, yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I I, um, I like, I love cubes like that. Uh, like, I, I've I've always kicked around, like, the idea of doing, like, the, the ultimate Ravnica cube, where you just cherry-pick all the cool Ravnica cards right. and make the best, the best multicolor Ravnica cube you could ever make. Yep. Uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, you could probably do the same for uh, Innistrad. Uh, oh, for there's, sure. probably, there's, there's definitely enough material for Innistrad. There may not be enough material for Kamigawa just yet, but without, without having to input a bunch of the like bad cards. Uh, Zendikar is weird because, honestly, like you should probably just ignore um, Battle of Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch for a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, because you just like the Eldrazi aspect is just kind of awful, uh, which also means you should probably ignore parts of Rise of the Eldrazi, uh, if you want to really like get that Zendikar feeling out Do of it. Do like, like uh, Zendikar World Wake. Well, I mean, Zendikar you can Rising. still you can still like cherry pick cards oh, out yeah, of the yeah, other yeah. sets like that's still fine to do like when i built when i was coming up with like the Innistrad uh, for like a list that would be like an Innistrad cube just because i was like 
on a whim. I was like, oh, like what what would that look like? You know, if I did like an Innistrad, like multiple blocks cube, and I realized really quickly, like I may not care too much about putting cards from um, Eldritch Moon in there because of all the Eldrazi, but right. there are cards in that set that I would cherry pick out of there. Sure. Uh, like I also like intentionally had uh, Avacyn Restored cut out of that because it didn't. It it's not really Innistrad. Yeah, mo- most people do. They they have that same yeah. feeling that it's like, and it was created, if I remember right, to be a draft alone set. It was, yeah. So yeah, people kind of view it as like it's its own thing. Well, it um, was actually it was supposed to be drafted with Dark Ascension. Okay. Yeah, that it was supposed to be. You oh. drafted Innistrad with Dark Ascension, and then you drafted Avacyn Restored with Dark Ascension. Dark Ascension oh. was the the glue in the middle. Back in the Halcyon days of 2012. Mm-hmm. No, I ten, I rem- ten years ago, buddy. I I I, I to this day, uh, there is not. There have been few draft formats uh, that exist that are quite like um, uh, Triple Innistrad draft. Uh, just very few. Uh, it's probably yeah. one, still one of the best draft formats of all time, uh, and it's just because it's like one of the most fun draft formats of all time. Like, there were so many cool, cool things you could do in that format uh, that just made it so interesting. I believe that was the first set I ever bought a case of. It it was a good set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't pull a single thing out of the veil. <laughs> it was the allocation was just so bad, but. The, the best the best part about the draft format is that it it has so many things you could do in that draft format like there were just so many different yeah. uh, color combinations and different like decks and honestly like the best deck in the format and like the draft format ended up being like a green white deck like it was weird it was just like this really strange format where like a green white deck was like actually the best deck in the format. And the deck everybody thought was the best deck in the format wasn't the best deck in the format. Uh, and it was only because, well, it was, but it was because everybody thought that was the best deck. So everybody tried to draft that deck, which ends up being cannibalizing it. So, um, right. Which was the spider spawning deck. Like, the spider spawning deck was really good. But, like, what would happen is, like, everybody would cannibalize those cards every time they saw them because they thought, oh, I'm going to build the spider spawning deck. Like, and then they'd end up with, like, kind of a non functional deck because, like, you could have, like, three or four other people in the draft that are also building, trying to build the spider spawning deck. Uh, same thing with the Burning Vengeance deck uh, that existed in that oh, format. Oh, man. I forgot uh, about that card. Yeah, but the deck that was actually, like, the best deck in the format was the Travel Preparations deck, uh, which uh, I don't know if you know what Travel Preparations does. It's the uh, one in a nope. green. You put uh, two plus one plus one counters and up to two creatures or something like that. Uh, I think that's what it let me just double check here because I'm gonna. I, it's in my cube. Uh, it's just I know it is. Yeah. So yeah, travel prize is one in a green. You put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures, and it flashbacks for one in a white. Uh, huh. So this was the the format that had um, Orchard Spirit, uh, which was the the three drop two two that can't be blocked except by creatures with flying or reach. So you would just like draft all these like stupid common cards that were like evasive. Right. In every copy of travel preparations that you saw, and you would like put a creature into play, put a creature into play, travel preparations, flashback travel preparations, turn sideways, get in there because it's they're all you can't block any of them. Like <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, there was also like the invisible stalker, butcher's cleaver, 
you know, deck. Yeah. Is ridiculous. Like, so yeah, the, the, it was just a really cool format. Like, there was just so much about it that was just so interesting uh, on so many levels. I just don't. There's been some cool draft formats, but I I don't think like like Dominaria draft was cool. Like I thought Dominaria draft was really fun. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of people that say it's the best draft format they've ever experienced. With um the 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 last Dominaria set. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is very good. It is a very good da- draft experience. Um, what was the other one? Like Cons was also like really fun. Uh, if you knew how to draft it, like that was also really really good. Yeah, someone uh, was mentioning that um, was it, uh, it was I mean, ca- triple cons was really good. Yeah, it was uh, cast from uh, Masters of Modern wanting to go back to cons or or that plane, right? Yeah, yeah. Go back to Tarkir, and I thought about it. And I'm like, wait, we've been to Zendikar twice and Innistrad twice since we've been to uh, Tarkir. Now I get it, like things are Tar- Tarkir's a hard sell, yeah. Yeah, like you can't go back to the Tarkir that was in Cons. That's the problem, right? Like, because it like, changed at the end of right. uh, Dragons. Yeah, yeah which I, like, I thought that was a cool story. How time travel and, and things changed and stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. But neat. but the problem with that was that people liked the world of Cons. Yeah, before Dragons, they didn't like the world of Dragons. Yeah, yeah. You can't go back right. to that. Yeah, that, that, that's that's unfortunate. But that would be like us going to Mirrodin, even though. Things changed right. up to New Frexia. Yeah, and, like it's it's also problematic to go back. Like there's certain planes that are also problematic to go back. Like Amonkhet is kind of hard to go back to. Yeah, uh, because, I'll say because <laughs> well, it's not because like most of, there's a lot of people on the plane that are dead. It's just also the fact that um, Amonkhet's a hard plane to go back to because there's not a lot of conflict there. Right. Uh, the only conflict now is like the people trying to survive. Uh, under um, Hazaret's, you know, eye, watchful eye. Yeah. Uh, but like, so Amaket's kind of a hard one to go back to. Uh, you also can't go back to Ixalan because that setting was more of a how are the people going to escape Ixalan? Yeah. Not, yeah. There's not really a lot to go back to. I don't think we really go back to that plane for no. a while. Like, uh, probably ever, unless like. Something or other forces are leaving Ixalan to go what is, muck what is, stuff up somewhere. What is, what is Ixalan on the Rabia scale? Uh, Ixalan is a six on the Rabia scale. Uh, so six is uh, we need to find the right place to bring it back, but I'm a little less optimistic. Yeah, okay. yeah, seems seems fine. Amaket's uh, actually a five, uh, so maybe that there's something they can do with it. I don't know, uh, huh. like. Like there are a lot of ones out here that are five, like fives and sixes, just because they're like, uh, like like Tarkir is a five, like, but like you're gonna look at car like things like Dominaria. Dominaria is obviously a one. Like we're gonna go right. back to Dominaria. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ravnica is a one. We can go back to Ravnica really anytime. Like it doesn't yeah. really like uh, Innistrad's a one because people oh. really like Innistrad. Like by uh, by the way, calling it now. We go back to Ravnica, winter of 2023, and the lanes will be painted like it's winter in Ravnica. Huh. That might be interesting. Huh. Okay, so uh, I completely forgot that Strixhaven is not the name of the plane. 
And I'm like, I'm looking at the Rabia schedule. I'm like, what's Arcadios? What? Oh, that's oh, the plane that that's the plane that Strixhaven is set on. <laughs> yeah. So that's a three. Uh, really? So that's, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think the plane was well received. I think I think that the lore and the plane was well received with that. So um, that's interesting. But it's like kind of funny. Like we're going back to Kamigawa, uh, and it's a seven. Like it says, you know, but it's a seven is it's unlikely to return, but possible if the right environment comes along. Well, guess what? Like the right environment came along, so cool. Yeah. You know, I I have a question. So you bring up the plane that Strixhaven is on, right? Uh, obviously, it's Harry Potter, not Harry Potter, right? Strixhaven's not Harry Potter, right? <laughs> so we have that, and one of the things we know about Harry Potter is the game Quidditch, right? It's played in the stadium, and like. The Quidditch thing looks like a mechanical bird, right? You, you with me so far? Yeah, 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 sure. Oh, okay. So, we have this card called Strixhaven Stadium. And you get up to enough counters on it, you win, right? It's an alternate win condition. Um, you can add counters by attacking with creatures. Well, one of the creature types that can attack is a bird token made from Alron's Epiphany. So people hate Alron's Epiphany and Strixhaven Stadium, yet they love Harry Potter. Are they contradicting nope, no, themselves? Nobody loves Harry Potter, Scott. Not anymore. They well, okay. I think they love the story, not the creator. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, maybe. Um, so Although they're, they're you know, yeah. But still, I, I'm I'm just waiting for them to like dress up as uh, someone in a wizard school, a generic wizard school. And then hate on Alron's Epiphany and Strixhaven Stadium when it's like, wait, but you're, dread, like Harry Potter. Like, can we go back? Can we go back to Chandelier? Chandelier, Chandelier would be a sweet, sweet. Especially if they can. Re- uh, was that the one released for the PlayStation? Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, that Chandelier was the, um, the setting for Microprose's the Magic com- Computer Game. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, I I would just like. I mean, we've we've seen Chandelier off and on in some of the core sets here or there because it's kind of like their default. It was their default kind of like setting for a lot of those. Um, I think Magic twenty fifteen was like the last set we really like saw Chandelier in a core set. Uh, yeah, you know what we need to go first though. We uh, need to go to we need to go to Vren. That would be cool too. Vryn, Vryn would be interesting as well. Um, I could I could maybe be done with uh, Vryn. That would be certainly interested. Um, it's interesting that... Um, the, the, the plane of Tolvada is a 10, only because the fact that um, it would be kind of impossible to set a set on there unless you probably went back in the past, because it's the home plane of Kaya, which is kind of, like, broken. Like, the entire plane is just, like, broken. Huh. So, um... Uh, so I, I think if they were to ever do a set there, it would probably just be, like, <laughs> one of those things where they did a past set or something like that, but they don't seem to want to do that anymore, so... Sure. Uh, although, we are getting the Brothers War, so you never know... <sighs> Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm actually excited for that set. So I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward. Like 
there are a couple things. Uh, you mentioned the Kamigawa video. Uh, and it kind of ties into the Brothers War. Like, we're going to get Max in the Brothers War. Let, let's just be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I it, mean, it we're, would... getting, we're getting biker mice, apparently, in this, uh, you know, Kamigawa set. So. Right. And, and it would make sense because we have the 40k commander decks coming. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, eh, it pushes immersion a little bit. No, but the thing is, is like it kind of doesn't because a a smidge, a a little bit. It kind of doesn't because we already had them in Antiquities and in Urza Saga and sure, like an invasion. Like, oh my god, like the invasion block (laughs) is just like okay, like literally, there's a card that's got Urza in a giant mech suit wrecking everybody in the face. Well, sure, but I mean, it wasn't as it wasn't as pronounced or had its own mechanic. No, was, but, but, but what I'm saying is, it's like, it, it was whatever. like, vehicles, ve- vehicles, if vehicles that existed at that time, that would have totally been a thing they would have done. Sure, sure, sure. Like, it just makes sense. Like, I'm sure we're getting vehicles in this set, honestly. So, watching I, the... I would kind of expect we get vehicles in Kamigawa. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, watching the Kamigawa video, they were showing off some art, like you mentioned. And yeah. there was one piece of art where I literally had a record scratch moment, pun intended, and it was the DJ. And I'm I, like, yeah, really? Like, I'm like, all right, cool. Kamigawa and like, hey, uh, not every weapon is a sword and, you know, really deep in cultural importance and club DJ. Club DJ. And I'm like, how does this tie with that culture? Because a club DJ can be anywhere right hell i i should know because i was one for about yeah. 20 years and right. don't don't get me wrong like i it looks cool and i kind of wonder if like maybe this set was aimed at what was hip at the time that was being designed which may have been all the retro wave stuff that know. was popular about two years ago so that one threw me off but everything else, like, yeah, I, I just, I, I want to see the cards. I want to see what they do. I want to talk to you about, like, what's going to go in what format. Um, is there another expressive iteration that we have to worry about? You know, just just stuff like that. I'm, I'm oddly enough, I'm ready for preview season. I never thought I would say that for no. any season. It's crazy. All right. All right. So before, one last thing before, and I keep saying that, I hate saying that, but one last no, thing before we, before we get on. Did you watch the trailer yet for The Legend of Vox Machina? The the who the what? The the Critical Role show. Oh, no, all. I don't. Look, you know my relationship with D&D is I love playing. The the okay, group okay, I, the, okay. the group the group I have created their characters out of the player's handbook and they were just fine. Nobody had any questions of like, "Well, wait, uh, why do elves only? Why do elves all get plus two to decks? Or like, there were no questions like that, right? Okay, okay. I definitely recommend watching the trailer. Why? Uh, because it's fucking hilarious. I just, <laughs> I, I about, I about died watching this trailer, and I'm uh, just like, wow, I, this I is guess. absolutely great. There is literally a scene where two of the characters are flipping each other across, off across the table in like a tavern or something like that. Like, like don't uh, don't get me wrong. What they have done and to achieve the level of success they have, great. Yeah, the, slam the, dunk. The animation is really good looking. 
Okay. Uh, and I think that's where I'm excited about. I was like, okay, like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, this what, animation is really good looking. What What is this for, though? I, I, I don't understand. What 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 is it? What? You mean the Legend of Ox Machina? Sure. Like, have you ever, like, listened to Critical Role or anything like that? I don't no, think you I, I, okay. no, I don't. I don't want. I mean, okay, okay, I, okay. I watched I watched Ruben with the Broken Pact and his thing he did a couple times. I I just I don't know. I, I just okay. I'd rather play than watch. Yeah, kind of okay. like Magic. <laughs> I know I understand that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the Legend of Ox Machina is based on the the first campaign that Critical Role uh, did, which is Campaign One, uh, and it's about a group of uh adventurers called the vox machina uh and they're all a bunch of very different characters but it's just really interesting especially to see like like there's there's a character in there that's a paladin and she's like attempting to like try to get the group to be like hey like maybe we should just like do like something good for a change and they're all like standing around and they're like nah <laughs> you're just like all right okay like this is this is kind of funny like i'm i'm, I'm a, a little bit more excited about it than i was before i was like okay like after i watched the trailer i was like okay like this is gonna be interesting for sure like so yeah uh it, it's it's kind of kind of different so i'm okay. i'm kind of kind of curious so right. uh, sorry D has just kind of sparked that I don't want to say anger, but just the bad taste because there's a new book coming out um, that will highlight non-human or non-humanoid races that will be allegedly uh, playable options. And of course, they use the fucking Tasha rule where you can just put your attributes anywhere. Yeah, Scott, this this has nothing to do with that. I, I know, I'm just saying, like, so anything D&D related, as far yeah. as current yeah. or new stuff, I'm just like, meh, right now. This has nothing to do with that. Okay. Just just, just pull yourself out of that for a second. Alright, uh, alright. Because it, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, alright, this, this is literally just a story that's based on their their one of their first campaign. Okay. Uh, and they have all the same people that played the characters from the first campaign, playing the characters in the show. Right. Now, they've rotated some uh, people in and out since between then and now, right? Yeah, yeah. But a lot oh, okay. of, this, a lot of, a lot of the, the same people, like, are, because a lot of them are just, are voice actors, or voice actresses anyways. Right, 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 right. Um, so, that, that much uh, I know. I, I'm yeah. well familiar with, like, literally, like, a good portion of these people. Uh, sure. Simply because um, uh, both Ashley Johnson and Laura Bailey uh, are play are people that have played characters in uh video games like the last of us uh that sort of thing so okay. um like and also like laura bailey's been in like a billion and a half things anyways like she's just ridiculously like uh <laughs> uh big in a lot of different um stuff so sure like she's she's just done so many different things uh, so that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm curious. Like I I just was like, oh, trailer popped up today. Red band wa- red band trailer. Why do we have a red band trailer? And uh, and then you're like you're watching the trailer, and um, one of the characters is like, "We're the Vox Machina. We had to fuck shit up." <laughs> you're just like, okay, 
Sold. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> what streaming services is going to be on? Uh, Prime. Prime? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it'll be on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it All actually right. uh, drops at the end of this month, on January 28th. Oh, wow, that, that's real so, soon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That, that's something I'm still not used to. Like, when there's a, uh, a trailer for something, I'm like, oh, that'll come out this summer. No, if it's a trailer, it's going to be on a streaming service. It's probably in, like, two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... This is something that's been going for a while, though. Like, they started the Kickstarter campaign uh, for this uh, oh, literally, yeah. literally back they raise, in, like, millions of dollars for they, it or they something? Did, yeah. They was yeah, like, they, like, went way over their, uh, their the goal they set. Yeah, and so they basically, with the, the stretch goals that they hit, they were able to uh, basically turn it into a full series. They originally started it to make just a, like, a special, like a, like an animated special. Yeah, and they raised so much money. They were like, "Well, I guess we just turn it into a series." Yeah, like, might as well. Like so, uh, so yeah. Uh, and it was cool because like they, um, the way that they set this up is because like most of the, um, the the way that campaign one was set up was that like they didn't want to like change anything that was happened during that time, but there was like they were talking about like having like some stuff set like in a kind of like an in-between portion where all the characters in the Vox Machina were not uh, really around together at all time. And basically, so it takes place, uh, it says it takes place after when they are at level seven in the, the campaign. And mm-hmm. it's basically like their first grown up mission as the Vox, as officially as the Vox Machina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but they got, like, a really wide, like, just like, obviously, in the campaign, like, there's a wide range of types of characters. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Like, there's a Goliath Barbarian uh, in there. They have some half-elves. There's a human. There's a gnome bard. There's a gnome cleric. Like, um, I'm pretty sure it's the bard that's the one that makes the joke about fucking shit up. I, I laughed so hard when I saw it. Uh, that so, would make sense, yeah. I, I, I just, I died. I was just like, it's like, with the Vox Machina, we had to fuck shit up. And it was just like, oh my god, this is just, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is going on? And then, like, there's, like, something to do with, like, you know, a Big B's hand spell where it's making the middle finger. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, this is, this is gonna be irreverent at the same time, and I'm like, I'm down for that. Like, totally down for that. Because it's just kind of, like, the thing where you can be like, okay, this has got to be like there, this is definitely basing a lot in like some of the in jokes that occur during the campaign, sure, uh, and how some of the characters get along, and so by in- integrating that into that into the series where the characters get along just as well as the people get along uh, in game is just just absolutely spot on. Okay. Uh, so I'm 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 that excited about it. I'm always like, okay, cool. Like this looks really interesting. So and it sounds like just what you described. You don't necessarily have to know the end joke or or no how uh, how no. they behave when playing or whatever. You to... don't even you don't even think you really need to know anything about Critical Role to watch this. Like, oh, okay, I, it seems like it seems like you're just gonna you sat down and watched this. And you didn't know anything about Critical Role. You're gonna be like, wow, this is a cool adventure show. Okay. It's got like you know that's set in Dungeons Good. and Dragons, and yeah, and it's so it kind of reminds it kind of sounds like based on like re- looking at the um the trailers and like that, it reminds me a lot of um, Arcane, where like you didn't actually have to know anything about League of Legends to watch the show, 
it just did a really good job of bringing you up to speed on the lore, uh, which had nothing to do with, like, which League of Legends itself has nothing to do with lore other than the fact that it has characters in it that have names. Right. Uh, that's it. Like, that's really it. Like, because, like, League of Legends lore is, like, really just kind of okay. But now they have an actual lore because of Arcane uh, existing. Uh, so uh, that doesn't have any bearing on the game. And if you if you know anything about League of Legends, any, anybody that knows anything about League of Legends will tell you. Uh, I had a joke about this uh, at Trocon with somebody at the vendor table. They were like, have you seen Arcane? I was like, yeah, we were talking about Arcane a little bit. And uh, I was like, I don't play League of Legends. She's like, good, don't. she's like i play league she goes don't just like i've had people ask me like after watching the show if they should play league because it's looks like it might be fun and and she literally tells them it's the most toxic place in existence don't (laughs) that's based on the things we've talked about this show that is saying something it is it's a super toxic community yeah so Mm -hmm. like it's just funny to be like yeah, uh, no, just I don't recommend it at all. And I'm right. like, yeah, I'm like I, 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 I pretty much told her said I was pretty much never planning on playing it. Uh, there's this old joke I always read on the internet that uh, uh, there's this virus called League of Legends, and if you download it, it'll install League of Legends on your computer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So uh, with with this show you're talking about, um, is it set in the Forgotten Realms? No. Um. So. Uh, Critical Ooh, Roles campaigns are are based on a uh, in a world that Matt Mercer created, okay. uh, which is uh, called Exandria. Um. So yeah, it's just the uh, it's the world that he created for his campaign, uh, hmm. and that that became the cornerstone of Critical Role. So. Um, it's interesting. I'm curious. Like, I, I'm like, okay. And after I saw, I, I saw like their like, like opening like thing. They had like their opening animation. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like, looks kind of neat. And then after seeing the trailer and after hearing some of the voice acting, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm gonna be on in, in on this. Like, I think. It's oh. Fun. Okay. Now this looks familiar. So I just uh, typed in uh, Exandria player's handbook. Yeah. And I come up with something called uh Tal Dorai campaign setting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the critical uh, role that's the critical role campaign setting. Yeah. A a group of friends uh, of mine that I played three and three five with in Shadowrun uh back in the day. Uh they briefly mentioned this and were curious if I wanted to be involved and I was just kinda eh. Um, yeah, Green Run Publishing. Okay. So, yeah, I thought about for a hot sec. They also have a, an official um, source book that was printed for D&D 5e. That's uh, the Explorer's Guide to Wildemount. Uh, okay. And that's, that also is part of Exandria and stuff. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if in the future we see a little bit more uh, products relating to Critical Role. Sure. Uh, and Exandria. Uh, in fact, they've actually talked about one in, uh, I was looking at Wikipedia here, and they're going to release it at Adventure to be released in 2022 here in March, um, called Critical Role Call of the Netherdeep. So, hmm. yeah, I just, I wouldn't be surprised to see more content come from them in that regards. Uh, I mean, it's just something. <laughs> well, hopefully their books don't get the Tasha's treatment. 
<laughs> so he's uh matt mercer's a pretty pretty smart guy though uh so yeah. i'm i'm excited to see more out of that so okay. but anyways we're running long uh yeah we should a little probably bit. probably get going here so uh let's start by having scott tell us where he can find himself on the internet uh or maybe find himself on the internet i don't know well, I, I haven't found myself, but if you want to look for me, uh, you can find me at MTG Pack Foils on Twitch and Facebook. And guess what? I wrote an article. You can find it over at MTGPackFoils.com. Uh, I'm already uh, brainstorming the next article. Um, but yeah, I, I am kind of getting that itch back to writing and actually sat down and did it the other day. Uh, so probably do another one this weekend, maybe put a skeleton piece of one for like the third one, uh, after that, that way I can kind of get back in the swing of things and get to a point where I'm like writing ahead. That way it's ready to go and I can just start churning out articles again. Uh, however, if you really want to read articles and not just like pieces about me and my exploration of magic and my fall and come back up with magic joe dyer he writes a whole bunch of magic articles and and articles about gameplay i do uh yeah uh, well you talk about what people have played yeah <laughs> uh what, yeah. where can people find your work uh so you can find me on twitter at more xp uh you can also find um the cast at the astrolab cast and the astrolab podcast on gmail.com mm-hmm. uh i'm also on mtg goldfish uh, every tuesday and every thursday with uh this week in legacy and vintage 101 Woot. and uh yeah so it's uh i'm i'm also i uh, am working on something uh D related again uh after uh, i worked on um the golden fish uh, earlier this year last year that's still uh, available, right? Over yes. at uh, D and D Beyond. Is it D and D Beyond or DM's Guild? DM's Guild. DM's Guild. So, okay. Uh, I am working on something for the Baldur's Gate Commander Legends set to come out around that time. Sweet. Uh, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to really sit and work on that lately. Um, but because I, I was going to do some work on it this weekend, and I just never got around to it. Uh, but I did some stuff, uh, just tiny bit, like, but you know stuff everything i got a lot of stuff going on right now um so i'm also back to writing uh fan fiction again so weird uh so i'm in the process of kind of just trying to like hammer down words uh for the first couple chapters of the story that i'm working on and uh hopefully get that start publishing once i'm like three or four chapters in give myself give myself a buffer on that uh so i can work a little slower on it right now i'm just kind of like breakneck speed on because i, I want to get everything out of my head uh <laughs> i start writing and i'm like oh um like i'm in the middle of chapter two right now working on chapter two and i'm like i'm working 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 oh cool like i'm like seven thousand words into this what the hell <laughs> uh <laughs> like you know so um, yeah, <laughs> and if uh, most anybody who knows me, who knows uh, how many words uh, of uh, Fallout uh, Pony fan fiction I've put out, uh, it's a lot, <laughs> uh, and um, my chapters usually tend to be 
upwards of 10,000 words. Dang. Which is utterly fucking ridiculous. Uh, so I'm trying to be conservative uh, and not be too crazy. I'm, I'm just trying to write to where I think the logical conclusion of the chapter is, not worry about word count. It's it's a balance. Uh, it's hard to do that. So yeah, uh, you'll find it. Yeah, I, I it's so I'm, I'm writing with sort of like a semi sequel uh, to the original Fallout Equestria story that I I wrote uh, simply because I wanted to write that character again. That the char- that the story is about, and so it's kind of just like, okay, I finished this my original the original one in 2014. Uh, shit, it's like almost eight, it's like eight years later. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, it feels like natural getting back to this character. So it's like, okay, I'm I'm okay with this. Like so. Uh, so yeah, it's been fun. Uh, so I'm I'm working on that, and I'm just doing a lot more stuff. So it's busy 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 cool so but anyways uh that's uh brings us to the end of this episode uh this episode 58 58 so, dude yeah, wow pretty nice pretty nice uh so hopefully we can get to episode 60 soon here and uh be fun uh i'm hoping to kind of be on some more podcasts too uh i i wanted to poke at the guys from the dark depths podcast because i guess they're gonna need a couple guest um people uh for a couple weeks uh because um one of their co-hosts uh billy is uh gonna be out uh and uh because he's um he's going through his his wife is having a baby oh so, so i'm i might end up reaching out to michael mapson and seeing if we can do something there uh where I can be on. so uh i know that rob wilson is gonna be on leaving legacy this week so that'll be fun uh, talking about Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy, so uh, mm-hmm. that should be an interesting lesson, for sure. Uh, so hopefully we can actually hear you on uh, MTG Goldfish when you guys review a uh, possible legacy impact of Neon Dynasty or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I am gonna be. Um, I'll, I might have time for something, so we'll see. Okay. Uh, I I would like to do more with that side of things uh, on occasion, but uh, you know, I, I has to be approved and I have to be able to have the time and stuff like that. And right. 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 That time is hard. So, but anyways, uh, so that that's the end of this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, have a great night and we will see you all next time. Yay. Bedtime.